0: Well, hello there. Dead and Lovely listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Dead and Lovely, your absolute most fucking favorite horror movie review podcast in all the shire.
1: (laughs) Is that where we are
0: now? It took a twist at the end, didn't it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, all right, so we'll have to let people know that, again, we've had to hop in our proprietary time machine um because we had some audio issues with our original halloween uh episode
0: and by audio issues you mean that we encountered the mandela effect because yeah i i have okay myself and my computer have absolutely no recollection of ever doing a halloween episode
1: and your computer swears it saw that G- uh, genie movie with Sinbad in it. Yes, precisely right. It also mm-hmm. swears it
0: was Steen and not Berenstain. What
1: the fuck <sighs> is going on in the universe? Well, I mean, we do travel through time. We're going to, I mean, look, okay, we've all seen Doctor Who. We know there are consequences. It's true. It's very, very true,
0: man. So we, we did initially do a Halloween episode. It was probably, what, a month
1: or two ago, right? Yeah, it was about a month and a half ago, I'd say.
0: And now here we are as older men, older and Mm -hmm. wiser, and I think maybe even more ruggedly handsome men.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I've acquired a bit of uh, rugged handsomeness in the past month and a half.
0: If you could go back and tell, you know, original Halloween recording like, you know, month and a half ago, Steve, anything, what would you tell yourself?
1: well i i would tell myself what i told myself when we went back in time to do this which is sweet dreams because as you all should know we uh yeah people think oh they're saying they're going back in time they're just recording and then putting it back where it should be no guys Mm -hmm. we go back in time we knock out ourselves Mm -hmm. and then we record and then we wake ourselves up and uh you know convince them that they've already recorded
0: oh yeah yeah exactly my very handsome unconscious corpse is laying right about right here next to me here it's looking pretty good hair Mm -hmm. hair is a bit shorter my hair is at an unusually long length right now i'm kind of thinking i might go back to about a month and a
1: half ago length oh all right all right Mm -hmm. a month and a half oh no uh a month and a half ago me is he's woken up and he's Oh, he's just crying. Well, <laughs> uh, what are you sad about? Oh gosh. Well, all right, whatever. He'll get over it. He'll get over yeah, it. Yeah, he'll get over. He's he's fine. I
0: think if I could go back and tell myself anything a month ago, it would be prepare prepare to be surprised by how much more you can hate Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you yeah. think you've maxed out. You're not even yeah. close, Buckaroo
1: yeah yeah i think you know it's it's the the hope is that we all eventually become numb to it and just stop caring that's what happened in russia with putin
0: dude and 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 just to give some context this is the day that trump via twitter announced that transgender via twitter via fucking twitter how very presidential um as as lincoln or jfk would have done uh, yeah. announced that transgender people are no longer welcome to serve in the military. So in other words, you can, even as, as a trans person who is generally downtrodden upon in society anyway, yeah, you can still say, you know what? I know that a lot of the people in this country don't like me, don't understand me, don't give me any sort of benefits or anything, um, but I'm still proud enough of this country that I want to go fight and serve this country overseas and give up a normal life and so on, mm. but because of your gender situation, your help is no longer needed. Actually, so fuck mm. you for like the millionth time.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I have always been of the mind that if somebody does want to go serve in the military, let them. Um. Yes. I, I, I will not. I'm not going to. It's I mean, never interested I'm me. Not- Yeah, so, like, the people that do want to serve, let them serve. I don't give a shit what you feel about their, you know, uh, their sexuality, their gender, or whatever. Like, just give them a gun and teach them how to shoot it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Can they do the job? That's all that I fucking care about, man. Just sad to see. Dead and Lovely welcomes all. Welcomes all, no matter what your life scenario is we don't give a fuck
1: that's absolutely true i could not care less i uh absolutely do not have a problem with any i don't i don't understand i don't understand gender shaming uh sex shaming i don't understand kink shaming i don't get it who fucking cares Yeah, people are into whatever they're into, and they are who they are, and just fucking... Why is it anyone else's business any goddamn way? I know, exactly.
0: And that's the thing to me, dude, is like, if it does not affect you, and it only affects consenting people that are of age, who who in the fuck cares how you choose to get off? It just blows my mind, and I think that the only people that care and obsess about this bullshit are just the most, like... Perverted, yeah. You know, scum, yeah. scummy-minded, repressed people in the world that just obsess over what somebody else's genitals are doing. It's just fucking perverted. Whenever, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the I would say the perfect example of this is the uh, any any witch trials, but specifically uh, the witch trials in uh, Europe in the you know 16th and 17th centuries. Yeah um where the idea is that like these people are being accused of all these crimes and we know from a future standpoint that they likely didn't do anything they were just tortured into confessing to things Mm -hmm. it's the things that they were tortured into confessing to that really show you who was behind these inquisitions and these witch trials and things like that, because they were the ones coming up with these demented ideas. It's kind of they like were what you're—it's ones...
0: kind of like what you were talking about last week on the House of the Devil episode about the Satanic Panic stuff. It's like, yeah, the stuff that these people were making up and putting into these people's heads about the whole Satanic Panic was way more fucked up than anything that was actually happening.
1: Well, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I got an email from um, one of our listeners john latour Mm, Johnny. um yeah he sent me some stuff about um when he was in grade school he lived in uh, freetown massachusetts and he sent me this stuff about the freetown fall river state forest in the news Mm -hmm. apparently there were accusations of satanic sacrifices in those woods he also sent me this thing about the bridgewater triangle which is this area in new england where a lot of weird shit happens (laughs) and uh, there's a guy in it who uh his name is alan alvis (laughs) he said that uh this guy came to their classroom when they were young and taught them such amazing life skill skills as the knowledge that acdc stood for antichrist devil's (laughs) children and kiss was short for knights in service to satan oh
0: fuck yeah man metal
1: So that made me actually want to ask you because I know you grew up uh, around some religious folks. Uh, Did you hear any insane, uh, ridiculous ideas about Satanist or anything of that sort when you were little?
0: You know, it was the kind of thing where it's like that stuff was all so off limits that it was just like you don't even go to there or like think about any of that stuff. But I do remember there there was one point when I was a gosh man, I must have been maybe. 11 or so something like that where we went over to like our pastor's house with a bunch of other kids that were around my age and watched this uh you know it's like a two-part vhs series or whatever about Uh satanic cults and satanic indoctrination and brainwashing and and all this crazy shit and i just remember (laughs) that like in the video um well kind of like as i mentioned in previous podcasts like i really think that what drew me into like heavy metal and horror movies and all this other stuff i'm into now is like the fact that it was off limits you know yeah so in this video it was all talking about like you know fucking kids playing doom and listening to like morbid angel (laughs) and all this stuff and like you know on the surface i was like oh wow scary but inside i was like i wonder what that sounds like (laughs)
1: little ben just wanted that delicious satanic music
0: i really i mean it's you know whatever is off limits that's naturally what the young mind is the most curious about it's just like tell me more there? you know there's yeah. there's something about it so there was stuff like that just kind of in general and, and of course whenever you know anytime something like a columbine shooting happened of course it was all about that satanic Marilyn manson fella and Oh yeah, KMFDM and shit like that too. So just mostly ridiculous stuff. But you know what? You talking about that stuff in the woods there a second ago it did remind me. There was um, this one time I had some friends and they lived next to this place that was a kind of like a developing neighborhood, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those you know very like prefab, like every house is built in a matter of like a month and a half kind of neighborhoods. And so what we would do it's while all these houses were being built and they were just basically frames without doors on them and stuff like that Uh uh-huh we would all go and run through these houses and just like explore around them and fucking light dog shit on fire inside of them and just (laughs) (laughs) just general misbehaving and stuff you know
1: (laughs) yeah awesome shit
0: and yeah exactly stuff that you did before you had an ipad i guess is what it amounts to
1: yeah and yeah, we want kids to get outside. I remember the shit we did when we were outside. I'm fine with kids sitting inside <laughs> on iPads. Dude, we did nothing good when we went outside. It's like, no.
0: get outside, get away from that screen. It's like, man, I would have been a lot safer just sitting in front of that TV. Yeah, <laughs> for the amount of times, like my brother and I, like almost blew our hands off with explosives yep. and
1: yeah. destroyed public park property and man, shit like this. We used to, we used to play on these rocks that were like they're just in the middle of the woods like if we had fallen off of them i don't know what we would have done
0: oh yeah dude my my brother and i used to do all that, sh- that shit all the time when we were like you know six and seven years old we'd go explore around in the woods where there was nothing but like steep yep. drops and pointy rocks and like rusty barbed mm. wire and like
1: you know fucking black Ste- widow
0: spiders and
1: steep drops and pointy rocks. <laughs> i like that that's that's gonna be my best of album yeah that's amazing right there.
0: So we were exploring around this neighborhood and stuff and we went to like this this cul-de-sac that was at the very end of the neighborhood, right? Uh-huh. And off back it's kind of set off the road a little bit, kind of a little bit into the woods that were surrounding the neighborhood. Uh we legit found sitting on a couple of center blocks this huge trash barrel like a like an oil barrel kind of thing, right? Uh-huh and it had all these burn marks and stuff inside of it. There was a pentagram spray-painted around it. (laughs) And dude, like... and and, But then, like, really legit, like, a few feet away, we found a trash bag and opened it up, and it had, like, the remains of several, like, animals, like cats and dogs and shit. Oh, God. It took a dark turn. It was like, what the fuck did we just find? Wow. So, like, legit, that's probably the fucking weirdest satanic well you know of course i'm sure it wasn't it was probably just some goth kids that had watched the craft or some shit that were just fucking around but that's the closest encounter i ever had with anything uh truly satanic i guess was that it was it was fucked up man was it all cats i believe that it was i don't recall there being any dogs but there was like several collars and bones and wet fur uh-huh. and it was really Here's disturbing. where it would
1: have gotten real dark is if you could have seen in the woods around There would have been dogs in robes, like, oh, they found our spot. (laughs) Yeah. It's a secret dog cult that sacrifices cats. (laughs) That would have taken a
0: really ominous turn. Yeah. (laughs) So that's about the closest that I've I've come to that. So, yeah. Crazy stuff, man. (laughs) It's crazy stuff. Yeah. That Satanic Panic when we were kids, that was some real shit. It was. It it wasn't, though. It was some fake shit.
1: No, it was some absolute fake shit, but uh, it it totally ruined a lot of lives. So, way to go, guys.
0: What have you been future-watching this week, Steve?
1: Oh, future-watching. Um, let's see. I recently watched the third season of iZombie. iZombie is amazing. Have I mentioned iZombie to you? Is that kind
0: of like iCarly?
1: It's like iCarly, Exactly. <laughs> Except the main character's name is Zombie, but there's no difference. Oh, okay. So same uh, thing. Yeah. Um, iZombie is is pretty fucking great. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Veronica Mars or Party Down.
0: I've heard tell of
1: these. Never seen them. Both great shows. Both shows I love. And uh, both shows uh, created by uh, Rob Thomas. Not that Rob From Matchbox
0: 20 with Santana? The,
1: the other one man his shows are
0: so smooth
1: he's got the kind of loving (laughs) that could be so smooth give me your heart make it real real forget forget about about it it. yeah (laughs) um anyway i zombie is really fun um it i guess it it's one of those things that if you like rob thomas's style if you like the way his shows are you'll definitely like it he he'll remind you i guess his style kind of reminds me i guess of um i don't know a, a little gilmore girls splashed with uh splashed with maybe some a zombie show of some sort that is i'm it, it it's not set in a dystopia it's not set in a in like this world after a collapse mm-hmm. there are zombies and it's just the regular world it has a real interesting dynamic to it that hasn't really been explored before Hmm, that sounds pretty interesting yeah so uh just finished season three and it's it's great i mean the show the show can drag at times and again you have to like that style it's a cw show you have to kind of like that style of of show to get into it but i i like it right on man that sounds pretty cool um, what have you been watching there, Ben? So,
0: I just watched this evening a truly horrific film. Oh no. The likes of which I can barely describe to you. I am covered First 3? Uh, dude, I am covered in goosebumps now even just thinking about Oh no. what I have just witnessed on the screen. Um, uh-huh. it's a movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. <laughs> i got a lot of problems with oh, this movie steve man. i got a lot of problems with this movie
1: oh god did you like the first one i love the first movie steve me too i'm a big fan of nia vardalos i think she's adorable i thought it was a fun movie but yeah i i can imagine but go ahead tell me about it. it's just it's just too horrific to speak of steve it is it is truly
0: it, it pales in the shadow of the original film and all of its successes and acclaims. It's just a pale shadow of its former self, man. It is... It's just terrible, Steve. It's just... It's just fucking terrible. It just completely missed the mark in such a big, bad way. It fucking sucks. It's really like somebody just watched a clip reel of, like, all the jokes of the original and just tried to make a movie just based on that. Just desperately seeking to reclaim the glory of what made the original funny and missing yeah. the point entirely it's, it's, it's fucking dog shit steve i really hated it
1: wow well um i just looked up the the box office and it looks like it made a good bit of money so maybe maybe we'll get a third one
0: <laughs> i hope that the next one is my big fat greek funeral fuck you oh
1: man <laughs> Jeez, that's fucking savage ben
0: dude what if it took like a really dark turn and it was my big fat greek abortion
1: oh shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd okay i'd go to that i want to find out what's going on there yeah who's getting the abortion
0: it's okay well the big fat greek wedding 2 is mostly about nia's uh daughter it's about her daughter who's like 17 years old in this movie Uh uh-huh I'm thinking maybe for the third one, she goes off to college, gets knocked up.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Okay.
0: But then like the family, the family, maybe they all band together. And there's the the crazy aunt who's like, I have coat hanger. I also make some lamb. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that. Here's some Windex. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe like Mm. the, you remember the old, the old Noni, the old grandma from the first one and all the black Uh and stuff. Yeah i mean maybe she gets decked out kind of like the old crone in house of the devil or something like that there's a ritual (laughs) yeah this is how we do in the old country she'd say
1: (laughs) so my my big fat greek abortion uh, the the it just takes a turn into horror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's but really like real. accepted horror, like it's even more horrific because everybody's on board with it. Yeah, like exactly. we're not even being shown somebody who's like screaming and like, no, don't do that. Everybody's like, yes, this will be great.
0: Like, you know, the the the, the grandpa's like, you know, mm. spraying, spraying some Windex on her uh-huh. belly and stuff like this.
1: <laughs>
0: There's just a lot of opportunity for some fun in there, Steve.
1: Yeah, I listen. It seems like a home run. <laughs>
0: Trademark, Dead and Lovely podcast. Yeah, <laughs> my all big right. Fat Greek yeah. wedding if, three.
1: If I if I suddenly start seeing casting calls for my big fat Greek abortion, I'm gonna, we're gonna make some money off that.
0: Oh yeah, because this thing is is like stamped and dated. Uh huh. You know, it's like this is really yeah. This is our claim to fame right here. You guys heard it first here, motherfuckers. <laughs> But, you know, past that, I've also been watching through, uh, Kate and I have been watching through Seinfeld, because I have never awesome. watched all of Seinfeld.
1: Really? And it's the well, best show of awesome. ever. Well, you know, uh, I did watch Seinfeld while it was on. I still watch it in reruns whenever I get a shot. And I remember, and I guess you probably just didn't get this experience Uh, we'd go to school and stand around the water cooler and talk about that most recent Seinfeld episode and that wackadoo Kramer. Oh, he's always getting up to something. He's a wackadoo. That he is, man. We watched the
0: one tonight that was, uh, the episode's called The Contest, but it's the Master of Your Domain episode. Yeah. It's a great one. Holy fuck. It was so funny, man. I was mm-hmm. I was dying laughing. And Kramer comes in there and just like slams his money down on the table. And he's like, I'm out. The scene's in there too with George where he's in there visiting his mom at the hospital. And there's the lady behind the curtain getting the sponge bath. And he's like uh-huh. real turned on and stuff. <laughs> God, it was uh-huh. so good. But, you know, it's like at the same time, gosh, I mean, how ahead of its time was it to do like a sitcom where an episode is all about wanking it, you know, men and yeah. women both.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. I mean, the it revolutionized sitcoms. It's an amazing show. I I love it. Yeah, it's fucking
0: great. So I've really, really, really been enjoying watching through those seasons three. Season three was amazing. We're on season four now, and it's okay, been fucking so you,
1: fantastic. My one of my favorite episodes is the backwards episode. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever seen it. Mm-mm. Okay, there's an Indian wedding involved. It's um it's pretty fucking awesome. Damn man. Heard... I think it's late I think it's later though. It's in the later season.
0: Okay. Though. That's the thing too, is I've heard that like the show stays good all the way oh, through. Yeah. yeah, it's great. That's fantastic. So I've been enjoying that. Also also happened to rewatch for about the millionth time uh-huh. a little classic film right. by one.
1: Jonald Carpenter. Jonald, yeah. By the title of Halloween. Hallows Even, yes, yes. You know what, I watched that recently too. Did you? I got an idea. Yeah, we should talk about it. Let
0: Maybe we do a little chatting about it, Steve, because I uh, I really, really adore this movie, and I think that we could yeah. have ourselves a pretty good talk about it. But you know what,
1: Steve? Let's, what's up? What's going on?
0: I'm just kind of thinking, maybe before we get into this movie, which features one of the most iconic horror movie slasher villains of all time, one Michael Myers, maybe we do, I don't know, like a quiz or something. I just, I want to know, Steve, like what, you know, horror slasher we would be, according to some questions from somebody that
1: we don't know on the internet. Ben, I'd love to know that. Right before we get into it, I have to tell you I had a dream last night in which, in which Leatherface, Jason, uh, Freddy, uh, Michael Myers, and uh, Chucky from Child's Play were all fighting it out, and uh, Freddy was it was totally winning. So, in my brain, apparently, Freddy, the one to to worry about.
0: You know, you really might be onto something there because it seems like he is kind of unkillable as he can always kind of exist in the dream world, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, it was a, it was a great dream. It, um, it actually, there were a lot of explosions and fires. I was having this like action dream sequence where, where slasher movie villains were just fighting it out that sounds sounds badass were you like
0: in the midst of it watching or were you yeah
1: yeah i was i was constantly having to duck for cover and shit it was pretty crazy um i really i it's been recently i've been having a lot of very vivid dreams and i uh keep waking up from them and not not remembering them as soon as i wake up but like remembering them later as a distant memory of something that actually happened
0: oh so
1: uh and so like i'll keep thinking like i uh i had this dream the other day that this is a little pathetic but i had this dream the other day that uh i got this job as a writer's assistant and i was working the job and I woke up, and it was like a Saturday, and I was just doing stuff, etc. And it was maybe three hours later that I remembered that, and then remembered it wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> you were putting on like your tie and getting your fountain yeah, pen like, and uh, briefcase. Get, yeah, that's what that's what a writer's assistants were. <laughs> that's what I thought. I mean, I don't yeah. know much about it, but I assume. So play buzz. Let's uh let's do this here quiz.
0: We're doing a quiz here on Playbuzz.com titled "Which Movie?" Which? Let me try that again. And see if I can read today. See, fucking homeschool it just doesn't work. Oh
1: man, I bet you didn't ever stand around the water cooler talking about Seinfeld. I, I stood by the sink with my brother, and that's about it.
0: That's pretty fucking shocking. Talking about Jesus, man. We talked about fucking Jesus and how young the Earth is, and just yeah, silliness. It's
1: only five thousand years old. I say it's 200.
0: I mean, dude, back then it was only 4500.
1: Oh shit. Yeah. It was Man. These Christians are getting laps.
0: <laughs> well, the quiz that we're taking here is which horror movie slasher are you? It's a quiz on playbuzz.com by Eric Swartz.
1: Yeah, and the first question here, Ben, it says which personality trait fits you best. Mm. Uh shy, spontaneous, mm dedicated funny or curious oh
0: you know what i think of those choices steve considering that 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 you know as handsome as a young marlon brando isn't one of those choices
1: yeah that's true and that's unacceptable, I think. Yeah, exactly, because that's what we'd both cho- choose, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't choose them; it would choose for us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our phones have cameras on them. Yeah. Since that's not a choice, I think I'm gonna go
0: with curious, like a kitten. My, my friends call me Whiskers because I'm so curious. I, I'm generally the type of guy that whenever I'm getting into something. I want uh-huh. to. I want to know everything about it. I want to know the ins and outs, the standards, the variations,
1: yeah, and yeah.
0: and so on. So I would describe myself as a curious kind of person. What What about you, Steve? What kind of person am I? Now, you be?
1: I would agree with that. I am. I'm also very curious. But, um, and and this is, uh, to me, I think a uh, positive quality. But others might find it to be a negative quality. I find myself to be very funny. And when I listen back to our podcasts, I oftentimes laugh very hard at things I have said. Steven I think you're extremely fucking funny. I I uh, I don't disagree. <laughs> I keep <laughs> I keep
0: a short list folded up meticulously in my wallet at all times. Oh no, <laughs> of the top three people that I think are funny. Oh god. Oh
1: man. I hope I'm on there.
0: You haven't been dethroned since fucking freshman year at Walter State Community College, dude.
1: Yes. Wait, who are the other two? You you don't know them. It doesn't really matter. Oh, it's just, you know, it's it's wow. it's
0: it, it's nobody. Don't worry.
1: Now it feels kind of cheap <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I Feel well, dirty, but I kind of like it. Um anyway,
0: um let me take your mind off of it and ask you, Steve, what is uh-huh. most important to you?
1: Yeah. Would
0: it maybe be adventure or perhaps friendship, the the courtesy of kith and kin? yeah perhaps it's peace that matters most to you family as in people Mm -hmm. that might be a blood relative of some sort or maybe not depends on your definition of family motherfucker right or love
1: gosh this is a tough one uh and, and it's not it's not for the reasons you would think um I I am not a great family member uh, except to my wife. Um, I I uh, don't call my mom very often. Not really up to date on my family, usually. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best friend in the world. The people I am friends with close, I'm a good friend to. But, uh, you know, if, if I'm not very close to you, I probably won't come hang out with you on a Friday night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to say what's most important to me to be honest is it's probably just peace. Yeah. I love I love I love quiet and peace and I, and I love when everyone gets along and everyone's having a good time. You love when the kids stay off your goddamn yard and give you some peace and quiet. <laughs> you know this is actually okay, I don't want to make this too long, but we live on the the first floor um uh at the front of the building and so our um our window goes out to what is a little like yard Mm -hmm. in front of our building and there are always kids playing out there and they hit our windows sometimes with soccer balls and stuff Mm -hmm. and i always want to be that man who's like get off my damn lawn but i like i stop myself it's not that I I'm not that person inside. It's just that I don't want people to know I'm that person. <laughs> so I'm saying it on a podcast that gets hundreds of listens. Yeah, great call, <laughs> great call, man. Anyway, so what is your favorite toy, Ben?
0: Oh wait, I didn't answer what's most important to me. Oh Steve. shit, yeah. What's most important God to you? God you're right. Friendship is not the most important. Yeah, to you. I don't care about people, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well even though you don't want to know our listeners might be interested to know steven <laughs> i i personally think friendship is the most important thing
1: yeah even if you yeah. don't I, listen i i think it is very important i just uh you know it's one of those things where if i say it's the most important and i also feel like i fail at it then i would feel like i'm a failure so <laughs> steven you don't fail me bro don't say that to me, man. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> you know, a uh, quick fun fact about uh, about Hollywood Steve Spratling. Yeah. I cry at the drop of a hat. Yeah? And, uh, oh, yeah, all the time. Cry about uh, anything. Not not like a, oh, I'm a whiny person type of cry. But, like, if I'm watching a movie and there's, like, a music swell, oh, I'm going to cry. It's on. Um, If I'm watching Doctor Who and it's the third act, I'm crying. If, if you're watching a guitar
0: lesson video and the handsome guy on the screen says you suck at guitar, yeah. you're crying.
1: Yeah, I'm crying. I'm crying. I, uh, I'll i be honest with you. I, I don't know if anybody heard it, but in our episode of The Witch, I actually teared up at one point.
0: Oh, shit. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Ah.
1: <laughs> no, no. I don't know if anybody would. Uh, My voice caught a little bit, and I heard it on the, the re-listen, and I was like, you know what? I don't think anybody will know what that is, but even if they do, I don't care. Was it that part where you are like,
0: Our sweet Satan is just the yeah. best to us? Hail yeah, Satan! Yeah, well, listen.
1: All right, okay. So you love Jesus, you get to cry, and I love Satan, I don't get to cry. Come on. Come on. Come off it. Let's sing some Satan hymns. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> oh, Hail Satan, be above. <laughs> Oh, I was assuming Devil Went Down to Georgia, Alright. <laughs> I don't know.
0: He gets defeated in that song. I don't know how positive that oh, is. Oh,
1: shit. Yeah, that's a Christian... That's a Christian song. <laughs> so, Ben, what is your favorite toy? Okay. Uh, is... Is it puzzles? Mm, no. Is it... Is it them Cabbage Patch Kids? Fuck, no. Is it a Rubik's Cube? Isn't that a puzzle?
0: I mean, it's kind um, of a
1: puzzle more than a toy, yeah. Is it an Easy Bake Oven? Mm. Or is it legos
0: of those choices right there steve i'm gonna tell you i think
1: we're gonna we're probably gonna pick the same thing
0: go ahead oh dude legos all day yeah
1: legos i don't like what what is this question even
0: i call legos live action minecraft
1: yeah 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 so it's like when you can't be playing actual minecraft like you know real like real stuff minecraft you're like oh i guess i'll put these blocks together yeah exactly i call minecraft 2d legos oh also okay i also call it anti-legos oh is that when you're in the nether you call it that or
0: Mm mm-hmm that's correct all right
1: all right okay i do
0: enjoy lego we also and, and this is one of those things that i think we probably got you know for like a dollar at a yard sale or something like that since we were poor white trash as children yeah
1: Oh, me too. I understand. Dude, we played a lot with constructs. Did you ever have a construct? Um, Constructs. God, tell me what they were like, and I'll tell you if we played with them. Basically, it was varying
0: um, long pieces of plastic. There were some of them that were very short, and some of them that were very long. And you could Uh connect them together with sort of hubs that have, it was like a little cube, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, my brother had those. My, uh, I have a li- little weird background. My brother is my half brother. He's four years older than me, and he was actually raised by my grandparents. Is he top half or bottom half? Bottom half. Bottom half is the same as me. His top half is different.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Werewolf um, on top. Yeah. He's a. Re- yeah. My mother had sex with a werewolf mm-hmm. as a young lady. And then it didn't work out. I don't know why. We
0: all have our experimental
1: phases. I'm not here to judge. Yeah. As we said at the front of the show. And you know, she let uh, she let my grandparents raise them because, of course, they're they're also werewolves. Yeah, makes my sense. My mom hadn't been bitten yet. She's a werewolf now. Ah, okay. Trans werewolf. Trans werewolf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, my 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 uh, older brother, he had toys that I didn't have unless i went over to my grandparents house and then my cousins had legos and lincoln logs and things like that my sister and i had none of those things we didn't have anything to build together so we just spent a lot of time at our grandparents house or my uh, cousin's house
0: dude you said lincoln logs and it just made me kind of kind of flash back to this one time that my brother had built this super mega elaborate lincoln log cabin yeah. And he was like stoked as fuck about it. He was so proud of oh, himself. No. He was probably like, I don't know, seven or something like that.
1: Uh-huh.
0: My grandmother, who was basically like Ozzy Osbourne as a female, just like the biggest fucking pill head of all time. Sounds great. She yeah. uh, Just a real gem of a human being. <laughs> she, was, she was at the house watching this while my parents were away doing something. And uh, I guess she was probably all pilled out. And she, uh, uh, she like fell and <laughs> and destroyed the Lincoln log house.
1: Oh no! <laughs>
0: and she just kept being oh, like, "Oh, man. Hurricane Ann." Her name's Ann. She's like, "Hurricane Ann has struck again." <laughs> it's like, oh. "Oh, not making it better." <laughs> no, Hurricane Ann. <laughs> my, my brother was so mad. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, let's let's try to move along past these these wonderful okay. childhood memories. Let me ask you, Steve. What might your favorite color be? I happen to know this, I think, from a previous quiz that we yeah. did, Steve. Mm-hmm. We got red, yeah. blue, green, black, and orange. You're a big orange fan because of UT. No, I am an orange fan because it is a great color. It's a legitimate <laughs> color, people. Not just a football yeah. team.
1: I, um, Yeah, I struggled with that growing up a lot because orange has always been my favorite color, and I, um, I never really... I've never... I'm not a fan. Like, I, I love college football. I have said before yeah. in this podcast, love it. Uh, I watch it religiously, but I, I'm not a fan of any one team, and I actually always just took sort of offense to the idea that I sh- I liked Orange because of UT, because it was like, no, I, I just like Orange. Like, the two things can be separate. Um... But then I eventually just sort of embraced it and didn't uh, didn't really care in the least bit. I painted my room orange. I had these super sweet uh, day glow orange uh, sunglasses I used to wear all the time. Mm. Big fan of orange.
0: You go. You go, girl. What
1: about you, Ben? I'm a
0: greensman. I've always liked the color green. That's my jam. Yeah.
1: You got, a, you got a pretty sweet green guitar I've seen before.
0: Uh, you know what? I've been known to play a green guitar. I'm super excited because, as some of you listeners know, I have a I have a signature guitar pick line with the company BHL, yeah, yeah. BHL Picks, which is a wonderful one-man operation making boutique handmade picks that are extremely fine. Uh, I have a signature <laughs> pick called the Wizard, and we actually just recently came out with a lower-priced, Budget friendly, affordable line of the wizard called the acolyte, and I'm super excited about it. Oh, dude, I'm so stoked about it because it comes in transparent neon green my favorite. So be sure to. Oh, that's fucking awesome! Yeah, it's the raddest. So, yeah, green all day.
1: Yeah, green's great. Um, Ben, what is your favorite food? Is it gosh, what, th- that's what a is a weird assortment? Yeah, is it hot dogs, no pizza, salad, pumpkin pie, or sushi the pie really throws me off like it's yeah, des- it's dessert yeah also you couldn't have thrown a burger there or yeah like yeah it's, just some option anyway
0: given those choices man for me it's all between a pizza and a sushi sandwich um yeah i'll tell you what though i don't know if there's really ever a time that i'm not in the mood for a pizza pie i love me i love me a good old slice a good old thin floppy new york slice that's uh-huh. that's always going to do it for me i i adore a sushi sandwich but every now and then i'm not in a sushi mood it's rare i'm not in a yeah. pizza mood
1: what about you yeah well i would also say pizza but so as to not definitely get the same result i'm gonna go with sushi as that would be my number two
0: yeah all right so our next question that we have here on our quiz is which music <laughs> do you like best now steve i got uh-huh. i got i gotta ask you Oh no. Do you uh-huh. do you like best a rap? Yeah. A country? Uh-huh. A rock and roll? Those are two choices. Yeah.
1: yeah. You can you can get two for one there. The two you for? get both
0: rock and roll. <sighs>
1: it's hard to beat. You got a
0: heavy metal and a folk. So of those choices, where are you at?
1: Oh man, I'm not good at picking favorites. Um, but I would say I listen to, to hip hop rap most often, so I'm going to say rap.
0: You a gangster. you over there. You're a fucking blood over there on the West Coast.
1: No, well, that's how we do. It's West Side.
0: <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? I'll tell you, Steve. I'm kind of torn as far as the choices here because... Okay. You know, a, a lot of people know me as a, as a hard rock, heavy metal kind of guy. Yeah. The God's honest truth is, is that I really... Strongly dislike most heavy metal.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's it, there's a glut. There's a lot out there, and there's a lot to hate.
0: Yeah, a lot of it really, really sucks. But it's like mm-hmm.
1: the heavy, But the good stuff is so good. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like the bands that, um, the bands that are in metal that I like the most, like Meshuga and Macedon and Torch and stuff like that. It's like, uh huh. I love those more than pretty much anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But ninety eight percent of metal sucks, and I hate it. um I would actually probably have to say, just based on numbers alone, I'm gonna have to answer this with a rock and roll because okay, I mean really, some of the most important music to me ever is like early Van Halen and Led Zeppelin and yeah, Green Day and Weezer and all this other stuff that would fall into the greater rock and roll category, so yeah i'm a I'm a rocker, I'm a roller.
1: I grew up uh, listening to 103.5 W-I-M-Z. W-I-M-Z. Yeah, in Knoxville. It's a classic rock station. And my mom was, uh, she kept up on rock. She used to go to concerts a lot as a younger woman. She also took my brother to a Guns N' Roses concert. Oh, shit. uh, When I was a young man. Um, And she she always was uh, A-OK with me going to concerts and stuff, even as a, a younger person. Uh, so I, I attribute almost all of my musical education in that early day to, to classic rock and, and, you know, then hair metal and stuff like that. But then, of course, I also grew up in the days of MTV. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, liking hip hop the most then and, and still liking hip hop the most now. So Strong call. What's our, what's our next one that we got on there, Steven? Which TV show do you like best? <laughs> These are some interesting options. Hmm. Uh uh They're almost all T G I F. So Look we got out. Sabrina Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Mm-hmm. With Clarissa. Uh, w- uh-huh. We got Family Matters. did I do that? Uh. Right? Uh-huh. Stefan Urkel. Oh. Remember oh his? my god, dude. Yes. We have Friends. Um Home Improvement. <laughs> <Yeah>. Co- cocaine <laughs> cocaine <laughs> I was a coke dealer in Michigan and then I became a comedian <laughs> do you think that he was like a big influence on DMX God I hope so <laughs> I would love it if DMX was to do like an interview with Charlie Rose which I'm sure is in the works and Charlie Rose to be like you know what was one of your main influences in him to be like Tim Allen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the interviewer's like where okay so you got the woofing thing from tim allen uh x where did you get the idea about having blood on your dick because you fucked a
1: corpse tim allen <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here folks you heard it here i didn't say it was dmx that was dmx is in here <laughs> just d- now and he d- said that direct quote <laughs> uh-huh Dude, Our last option is uh, Boy Meets World. All so. right,
0: dude. Of those options right there, it's easy because Friends. Listen, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as the best show of all time,
1: <laughs>
0: but it is Friends. Mm. I am such a such a lame ass corny motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually inscribed inscribed in my wife and I's wedding bands.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> buckle up Chanandler <laughs> la was that
0: it chenandler bong we uh-huh. have i'll be there for you inscribed in our
1: wedding pants dude that's awesome because All right.
0: friends is the best i that's one of those things my wife and i have so many great memories of and stuff friends will mm-hmm. always be the easy answer for me so yeah fucking friends where you at on that spectrum
1: well i think of the five shows here friends is the best but yeah. um the one that I would say had the most effect on me as a young man was uh, boy meets world because uh, I had me a big old crush on topanga
0: dude and I'll tell you what that that had a huge effect on my uh on my bowl cut styling
1: oh yeah yeah right, yeah because they there were a number of bowl cuts in that show
0: you damn right not only rider strong but homeboys you know big brother sick yeah, his bowl older cuts. brother uh-huh.
1: sick bowls just all
0: over that show they were smoking bowls what if we started a website or maybe an smoking
1: inst- bowls yeah what if
0: we, what if we just started just great
1: bowl cuts dude it's just an instagram feed yeah yeah no that's great
0: <laughs> that's just the sweetest bowl Hold cuts on. let me uh, see that's taken <laughs>
1: yeah i'll, uh, I'll <laughs> i'm going to re- really look that up and we might even have to cut this out cuz that's uh, that's a million dollar idea yeah. right
0: there yeah yeah cuz we got we like half halfway through this episode we're going back and all right peace out we're off to start our new careers on instagram As at Smoking bowls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious smoking it, really bowls. Is. it really is <laughs> and i know where i know where i'll get most of the pictures and that is from have you ever watched forensic files no a lot of bowl cuts. Shit, I a lot of bowl cuts on a lot of ladies. I
0: love it. Absolutely, already, man, dude. This this podcast right here is fucking gold. You've got my big fat Greek abortion. You've got fucking smoking <laughs> bowls.
1: Yeah, we're our. Listen, we're we're ruling this without even talking about Halloween yet.
0: It's solid gold, dude. Solid fucking podcast gold. Well, <laughs> Steve, let me ask you. We're nearing the end of this quiz here, and yeah. this is a this is a pretty important question yeah which is your favorite movie genre yeah
1: are we this is a good one are
0: we talking thriller it's just a thriller Thriller, are we talking she blinded me with science fiction
1: (laughs) she blinded me with science fiction (laughs) fiction.
0: i was really hoping that i could do songs for all these but i'm like documentary i'm like i don't really have anything (laughs) for that maybe like documentary (laughs) of a madman by ozzy i don't know it's close yeah
1: right it's pretty close yeah
0: we got some of that horror business from the misfits and we uh-huh. also have comedy for a laugh now what of those genres what's your favorite
1: ah <sighs> oh, man i mean this is i i'm i'm we're not doing a horror podcast for no reason horror is my favorite genre <laughs> yeah duh same here so there we go easy all right where are we at? What's going on here? What? All right. Playbuzz took a second to load. Uh oh. All right. Here we go. So finally, we're gonna find something out with this major question. Oh wait, no, we have two questions to go. <laughs> these okay. two
0: major questions.
1: With these two major questions, what is your favorite school subject? I'm not um, in school. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh. I would be. I, honestly if i could go to school for the rest of my life i would yeah it's the greatest thing in the world learning is amazing kids stay in school unless you know uh you want to go into the entertainment industry or the arts or you know a job that you could get without a college degree or anything you could do with just like a technical you know what don't go to college
0: yeah maybe just don't join the military unless you you don't neatly fit into one of two boxes then i guess fuck yourself
1: listen guys I, I used to I used to teach at colleges I'll tell you this uh, your professors too damn busy to care about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> all right so my favorite what is your favorite school subject uh, cooking don't remember that school subject uh, yeah science blinded me with it
0: now si- science being the stuff about the earth being about about I don't know about uh-huh. two weeks old right?
1: Yeah, and and God uh, made uh, a bunch of animals, and then he he killed off all of the dinosaur-looking ones, and then saved two of every animal on a boat that couldn't possibly hold two of every animal. Yeah, that's science. That was science for me, anyway. And it's a pretty good science. Uh, maths, as the British say. Maths, because they 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 want to shorten it, but then they want to toss that s back on again. <laughs> Uh, history and of course art then what was your favorite school subject
0: that's an easy one for me i i enjoy art i like art now cook (laughs) i'll I'll tell you though cooking actually was kind of a homeschool class because of course that you learned how to cook yeah because there wasn't no homeschool cafeteria so you know there was a lot of like oh let's let's you know let's make some let's make a simple hearty lunch in the kitchen with ma so actually i did mm-hmm. learn a lot from the cooking class but i would say art is the one that i enjoy the most i like to do, do painting i like to draw with the pen so
1: <laughs> what about you um i also uh grew up learning to cook because i had having a single mother class mm-hmm. um so i learned to cook uh, at an early age around five um and I, I love it. I'm a huge fan of cooking. Me too. As, as far as any, I mean, because I, my degree is in literature, I love movies, etc. If any of those things had been on the list, I would have chosen that. But I'm, I'm going to go with cooking. I'm
0: going to tell you one of my favorite early cooking class memories, Steve. Okay. This is a good one. So uh, when I was a kid, you know, growing up with my, my mom and my, my redneck dad, my uh, my redneck dad, he really enjoyed just some good old fashioned country cooking, right? Okay. Which I have mostly no palate for. He he loved stuff like just some fucking soup beans and cornbread, like fucking country is a chicken coop shit, right? Yeah. I uh, I hated that, absolutely hated it. Um, I do like a cornbread, but soup beans, I just always fucking hated that stuff. So he would ask okay. he would ask mom to make beans, and it's like. For y'all that don't know, you have to like simmer them on low for a really long time and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And your house smells like farts.
0: Oh, dude. It's just the fucking wor- And then I, it just, it doesn't get any better. I'll put it that way. So all the time, anytime mom was doing that, because that's what dad requested, I would, uh, I would sneak over to the stove and crank that bitch up to high and let him fucking burn. <laughs> And my mom would apparently get in, like, huge amounts of trouble,
1: Uh
0: and we'd order pizza. Well, all right. And I didn't tell my mom about this until I was probably, like, 20. Okay. And she was like, what? This was well after they divorced and stuff. And she was like seriously you did that and she's like you don't know how many times i got chewed out for that shit and it's like we were poor as fuck growing up we couldn't afford to eat out all the time but i was like yeah i don't know pizza can't be that much just burn these beans i don't want them." (laughs) (laughs) fucking asshole kid dude terrible
1: yeah i also grew up eating my my grandfather likes a bunch of country shit yeah I, i don't know what it is because like Living out here in Los Angeles, I eat more fresh food. I eat more food that's like been canned locally and stuff like that. Mm. And growing up, I was taught that that is country. Sure. But nowadays, people who live in the country, everything they eat is from the supermarket. It's all from the store. Like uh, their cornbread, oftentimes is not made from scratch. Yeah. I, I know my my grandmother for <laughs> my grandfather was just pouring cans into pots and warming them a lot of times and, and he loved that shit so bad I hated it. Ugh. I hated it. That's why I learned to cook. That's one of the reasons cuz it was just like I know there's better food out there.
0: That's the kind of shit that like makes you think vegetables are fucking awful when you're a kid is because you've had green beans that are the color of like color of like a Vietnam army jacket.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I used to it's not until you have, like, some nice fresh green beans that have maybe been, I don't know, roasted a little yeah. or something. steamed. And, you know, yeah, steamed a little bit of maybe, like, uh, garlic, maybe some uh, some lemon peel or something oh, to dude. sort of yeah, my, set them off.
0: My jam is, like, every at least once every week, we always do a steamed green bean with just some butter and sea salt and uh, about a half a oh, lemon, yeah. half a fresh squeezed yeah. lemon juice on there. So good. So good, yeah. Me so hungry. <laughs> yeah, totally getting hungry now. Well, Let me ask you, Steve, for our last question here, we got, we got a doozy. This is going to be the last thing that's going to reveal to us which slasher we are. Now, this is really important, Steve. Are you ready?
1: Yeah, this will be super important. I'm positive of it.
0: I want to know which season you might prefer. We got four choices. They left off my favorite one, so you just got to choose one of these. Okay. You gotta choose summer. Okay. You gotta choose winter. Right. You could choose autumn. Mm. And we've also got a spring. Where are you at?
1: Um, well when I used to live in the south, I would have said it was it was either uh, summer or or autumn. But uh here in in Los Angeles, spring is my favorite season for sure. Nice.
0: Well played. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. Have you ever heard a song? Maybe from like an early 90s sort of hip-hop girl group that goes, He's a summertime man. He's a summertime man. He's a summertime man. You know that one?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard it a couple times. That's about me. (laughs) I'm a
0: summertime man.
1: He's a summertime man. Yeah, Summer in the South is amazing. Yeah. I really love it. Summer in, um, in Los Angeles is just... It's a slog. It's hard. It gets too hot. It stays too hot. It's, you, you go out during the day, and there's just no clouds ever. It's always just the sun beating down on you. It's real relentless, I would say.
0: Sounds rough, man. It, it, you know, it's calculating my results, and it's giving me a Disney commercial. Is that what you're getting?
1: No, I, I actually got results.
0: Oh, I just got mine pulled up. Who are you, Steve?
1: Well, I am Jason Voorhees. I enjoy nature and the outdoors and have a love for the arts. Some may consider me strong, silent type. I wish for peace. (laughs) That's Jason Voorhees. He's always... Hey, that's a thing that they talk about a lot in the movie is all he wants is peace.
0: Yeah, that's why he's killing all these folks.
1: I wish for peace, but when someone trespasses on my territory, I may just have to kill them in the most creative and original way possible.
0: Well, Steve, that is... Word for word, the same result that I got.
1: Look at us. Jesus Christ. We're the same person, Ben. We're, the, we're the double mint
0: Voorhees.
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you this. I've, I have I don't know where these emails are coming from. Could be ladies, could be men. But they're all saying, I want to hit it like I wanted to hit them double mint <laughs>
0: You know what, though? It's funny that we mentioned that, because do you remember in... Fuck, which one is it? Is it Friday the
1: 13th Part
0: 5 that has the skinny dipping scene with the twins and stuff in it?
1: Yeah, that's 5 or 6. I don't remember.
0: Those are legit the double Doublemint twins.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember. I watched the, the uh, documentary a few months ago, and I was like, oh, shit, really?
0: Bad ass. Well, look at us, Steve. Look at us, man. We are just... Totally adorable.
1: I, I don't think we've exposed anything about Playbuzz's uh, quiz being, I don't know, disingenuine,
0: perhaps. <laughs> Considering we answered like, all those questions, except for, I think, Two. horror. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we both answered horror. And then what was the other one?
1: You know what? Maybe it was just one.
0: I think it was. <laughs> damn it, man. Well, that was apparently yeah. the one that really made the fucking damn difference. So, thanks for nothing, jackasses. Eric Eric Swartz fucking suck me
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh hold on i just got i just got an email this is from eric swartz he says name a time and place Uh, huh huh what oh oh now he's sending me a dick pic Uh, oh ben oh no don't name a time or place
0: (laughs) i'm gonna get Uh, hurt
1: yeah it's too big
0: big. (laughs) well steve the main reason that we're here talking on uh on our our wonderful on our wonderful online internet phone conversation with these lovely people it yeah is to talk about one of my favorite horror movies of all time john carpenter's halloween which i saw for the first time gosh it's probably been at least 10 or so years but it's not one of those ones that i grew up with being a late in life bloomer to the horror genre so I didn't grow up watching this one, but it was one of those ones that was always kind of like looming in the dark corners of Video West, where, you know, (laughs) the box looks super rad and stuff, but I was never, of course, allowed to watch it as a kid. So whenever I finally watched it, you know, I had seen some of the other classic horror flicks by that point and was just kind of generally like, oh, you know, whatever, these are fine. But Halloween really connected with me right away. And I just really, really, really enjoyed it for a multitude of reasons that we'll talk about. When was the first time that you watched this flick, Steve?
1: Uh, I saw, I think, I think I was maybe nine or ten. And it was on USA, Up All Night. Oh. Um. Yeah. I I remember... You know, if you watch this movie and think about what you would have to edit out to show it on TV, there's actually not much.
0: No, huh? that's a really yeah. interesting thing about It's like really the kill that we have at the very first of the movie where Michael kills his sister. And, yeah. and then I think that there's I want to say there's one other kill where we see actual blood on screen. Otherwise, it's like there is no blood on screen at all. It's kind of like Texas Chainsaw yeah. where you, there's not really a lot of on-screen gore but you remember it as being very brutal.
1: Well, yeah, I mean you see somebody hung on a meat hook while they're still alive. It's it's going to stick with you. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely so. But this one is like it's not really all that brutal. So you watched it edited on USA.
1: Yeah. Um and I I saw I think all of the others except for 3 either um by renting or seeing them on HBO or USA or something like that. I uh part 4 and 5, I had a huge crush on Danielle Harris who um at the time was older than me, so I'm not creepy. Look uh, at you. Yeah, I had a huge crush on her and then she ended up playing uh the what is her name? Annie Oh, what's the name of Annie Brackett? (laughs) She ended up playing Annie Brackett in the remake. Oh, Um, yeah, she is super cute. She's a super cutie, yeah. And I also had a crush on Annie Brackett, uh, the original from Halloween. Uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe they just chose cute girls to play Annie Brackett, or maybe I identified with the character. I don't know. I think that
0: you, similar to me, am just a real sucker for a a petite brunette that doesn't mind porky pigging it every now and then just wearing shirt and no bottoms
1: (laughs) 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 yes i'm glad you brought it up i think you called it winnie the pooing it last time we record because i know next week i mention it oh yeah that's Um, right it
0: comes back up again yeah she was she was straight poo bearing it getting stuck in that uh getting stuck in that
1: winder yeah just wearing a shirt and no pants yeah it's a good look that's uh that it is. It's a. It was a real revolution for me about a month and a half ago when you first said it, because I was like, "Oh no!" Turns out I'm super into that. Um, <laughs> porky Piggin. Su- super into Porky Piggin. So your search
0: history is all like Porky Piggin, GIF, yeah, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I it's real hard to find that porn. <laughs> it's very specific. Sh- shirt on, no pants, knee highs. I don't know. Like, <laughs>
0: Whatever works for you, man. Whatever works for you.
1: <laughs> so, Halloween is is a great fucking movie. I mean, uh, we're dealing with John Carpenter. This is our second John Carpenter movie. Uh, as I said when we did In the Mouth of Madness, John Carpenter is my favorite horror director. So many hits, man. He's one of
0: those guys that really did just consistently deliver probably the most quality movies. If you look at, like, a Wes Craven, it's like, yeah, of course, amazing stuff, but some
1: real pieces of shit too yeah yeah he did some real some real not great shit
0: and not to say that everything carpenter ever did was like a 10 out of 10 but probably statistically the most good ones of about anybody
1: yeah and i even uh recently i because i haven't watched some of his last few movies after in the mouth of madness i've seen the village of the damned remake escape from la but i hadn't seen vampires i still haven't seen ghosts of mars i i finally watched vampires and it's awesome i want to watch that it. i haven't seen it yeah I, I really loved it um so i'm going to give ghost of mars a chance soon i've heard it's not good yeah i've heard the same so <laughs> i'm not excited about it vampires i put off for a while thinking you know because it got bad reviews and things but they were just wrong i mean you can be wrong critics can be wrong (laughs) i mean math of
0: madness didn't exactly knock the critics over either and that's just that's one of my all-time fucking jams math of madness is the best dude
1: yeah so carpenter this was his what third movie i guess i think third because he had precinct 13 and dark
0: star before it neither of which i've seen
1: okay well dark star is real weird uh space movie Really like it. It's a comedy as much as it is like really interesting sci-fi. Assault on Precinct 13 is is great. So I've heard. Once you see it, yeah. Once you see it, you'll just understand like a lot of action movies that have come along since then hmm. that that really sort of fit that mold. I've heard that. Uh, did you ever
0: see the Raid, that Indonesian flick?
1: Yes, it's like that.
0: Yep. Okay, I had yeah. heard that the Raid was kind of like Assault on Precinct 13, yeah. but like you know, dialed up to fucking 11.
1: Yeah, have you seen Dread, the Judge Dread remake with Carl Urban? No, and, I, I uh, haven't, but I heard it was pretty badass. It's it's awesome. I really liked it. Um, it also has that same sort of element. It Like, a lot of it is kind of like if you were playing a video game on, like, a zombies level. Like, where you're just sort of holding off zombies in this small area. It really plays like that. The movie is just them holding off these gangs of thugs trying to to get revenge on them. Brad, it's it's pretty cool. So yeah, this is his third movie. Uh, his his first two movies had small budgets. This one actually has a small budget too. It was a three hundred thousand dollar budget, which you know tr- translates today into a a, a very mediocre probably million million and a half the cool thing is
0: is it was all kind of started by him and producer with the the mysteriously named producer mustafa Akkad,
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) having a conversation
0: being like carpenter was like i really want to make like a low budget you know horror flick for like three hundred thousand dollars and mustafa was like that's not possible to do it on that kind of budget and carpenter said basically if you give me Complete creative control. If you just completely put this in my hands and don't outsource the fuck out of everything, I can do it. And he did it. And I mean, of course, we see so much stuff like him taking care of the soundtrack and all kinds of other things just to keep the budget down and also having the absolute final say on the final cut of the movie, which is something that a lot of directors are not afforded by their studios. Um, they were able to do it, and it made an absolutely insane amount of money. It was at the time the most successful, uh, highly grossing independent film of all time up until
1: that point. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it ended up making seventy million in the box God office. God damn! off so three hundred thousand dollars, adjusted for inflation, that's two hundred and fifty-five million. Holy like, cow! So the 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 return on this it made Carpenter's career. Like, it made it so that he could do... He could get a lot of control after that. I mean, he does the music in almost all of his movies. mm mm-hmm. uh, Which would, would cause a lot of production companies today to be a little worried. You don't want to give too much control to one person because they can entirely r- ruin a movie, even a good uh, property.
0: So... But man, that with Carpenter, that's never a worry because his his never soundtracks like. are the shit, dude. I don't care if it's this movie or uh, Math Madness or any of those other ones. His soundtrack work is always top notch. It's I, great. I imagine he's one of those cats. And the thing is, too, is it makes sense because there's there's musicians that are this way too. There's some musicians that only hear their part when they're writing something. Like I've met. Dozens of guitar players that, you know, they'll write riffs or whatever, but they won't know what the drums should be doing. They won't know what, they'll not have an idea about what the bass player should be doing or whatever. But then you meet other musicians who, you know, whenever they write this chord progression, they also have a groove in mind. They also have a vocal melody in line or whatever. Um, they, uh-huh. they hear the big picture. And I imagine that Carpenter is one of those guys that when he's thinking about a movie, he can see the big picture, too, and know exactly what it should look like and what it should sound like and how it should be edited and 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 so on. And even hearing him talk about um, movies and stuff, too, anytime you hear him talking about why you know Halloween was a success and why some other slashers that kind of tried to imitate it weren't a success, he uses terms like they didn't have the rhythm right. They didn't have the right timing. Like, he speaks in musical yeah. terms very very frequently so i imagine that to him yeah the film and the score are all just one thing all rolled up into one so brilliant awesome awesome soundtrack in this i mean probably i mean up there with like tubular bells as being you know iconic yeah dude two notes in you know exactly what you're listening to whenever you hear this and of course there's the iconic one that we all know uh, that odd meter thing with kind of the ticking clock behind it on the piano which is rad but a lot of the other stuff in the movie is so cool too um really eerie, and even just a little soundtrack stabs he does when Michael appears and stuff like that i couldn't I couldn't imagine anything else working better for this
1: yeah he's he's also got an amazing eye and he he does he's able to move even very complicated stories along quickly mm-hmm um so like the thing or mouth of madness, like they, they have very complicated stories, very complicated story structures and, and, and really, uh, th- things that the audience has to pay close attention to, but he, he makes it so that it's hard to miss even right. in these, he's really tough things to, to follow. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's got, he's got just a
0: great style as a director. Absolutely so, man. Absolutely. Really, really awesome. And the, the production of this movie, too, is interesting in a lot of ways whenever you watch the the director's commentary because there's so much stuff in there about, you know, again, to keep budget down, a lot of the actors and actresses, like Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, provided their own wardrobe. Like, she went and shopped at JCPenney because she, th- she thought that's where Laurie Strode would probably shop at and stuff like this, you know? Bought her whole wardrobe. There's stuff like you know the um, you know the red truck that we see in the movie that Loomis finds with the the guy that's yeah. dead, like that was uh-huh. just the craft service guy's truck, and they just put like a little sign on the door that said you know whatever Johnson's tune up or whatever it says on the door, like it's all little stuff like that that you get whenever you see independent films, that are the behind the scenes things that you don't know about that are happening. Like they were talking about in that very first awesome, awesome scene of the movie that we open up with the Mike Myers first person perspective shot, you know? Yeah. They were talking about how in order to get that scene to work right, because, you know, it's, it's really like two cuts, but it's essentially one long continuous take. You know, inside of that house, there were crew members running around unplugging lights, plugging lights in, and all this stuff just to make <laughs> sure it was lit right, because they only had... You know two or three lights or whatever they didn't have enough to keep that whole house lit for cinema you know for filming yeah so they couldn't go out and buy more because the budget was so low so while mike is walking around the house there's people inside of there scrambling around resetting lights and all kinds of shit like that it's so cool man
1: yeah it, we we keep finding again and again that constraints on time and and budget to end up creating really good horror movies.
0: Yeah. You have to think creatively. When you can't just show the full Monty and do everything you want to, you've got to think of other ways. How can I convey you know, this violence, this gore, this whatever without actually showing it? Because I can't literally afford to show it. It makes you so much more creative. A lot of times, like you said, the limitations are what makes this stuff so fucking good.
1: Yeah, so I mean... After, after having to work through a real small budget, they had they had a bit of a time crunch. Uh, I read two different quotes on how long it took to to write the script. One said three weeks. One said ten days. Whoa! As yeah, as somebody who's who's written before and, and continues to write, I would say that they they had three weeks to finish. The script, probably. Yeah. And they they used those last 10 days to do it. Because <laughs> that's kind of how... I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of how a lot of scripts get, get done. Is it, you, you have to mull over it for a while before you can really get down to putting something on the paper. Right. Uh, but it's a really
0: simple storyline, too. The original title of the movie was The Babysitter Murders. And it's like that pretty <laughs> much sums up the movie. It's about a bunch of babysitters on... It wasn't originally planned to be on Halloween night, but it's about a bunch of babysitters that get murdered. So it's like, it's right there in the title. The decision to make it on Halloween night was apparently not anything that was an initial plan while they were writing the movie. They were just like, you know what? Which, this is amazing to me. Nobody had ever done a a horror movie on Halloween night by that point. They are like, oh, this is available. Let's take it. Yeah. Now, a cool thing that I learned, too, is that apparently uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis was not the original choice to play Lori. That is not who John Carpenter wanted. He wanted somebody from some sitcom that I didn't know about. But, you know, of course, she is the daughter of two very famous actresses. Uh, Janet Lee, of course, having a horror movie pedigree, appearing in Psycho and stuff. And,
1: yeah. Tony she, Curtis. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Tony Curtis, her dad. And he was, uh, or sorry, she was not the original choice to play she was his third choice i believe she was was pretty low down there she was behind like david lee roth i think was the next choice
1: yeah well i mean he thought well if i can't get whoever his original choice was i want to get david lee roth because i i've written a lot of kicks Mm -hmm. into this and i want him to be and and you know what he he had to cut the kicks out because jamie lee curtis so yeah exactly those those really high-waisted is this really a good movie think about the movie we could have had it would have been the best yeah
0: there would have been a lot of cocaine uh there would have been so much fucking cocaine in the movie and plus too like you know the ending scene whenever loomis you know shoots myers and he falls out the window that was originally supposed to be a high-flying split kick <laughs> and, and you you watch it and you're like that would have
1: worked it really would have worked yeah or, or if she had done the if she had done the Liu Kang thing and like jumped up and then flew across and and kicked him out the window. Oh
0: man! And then like right as he was trying to get up, she shot a fireball at him because that's what uh-huh. your asshole friend that always played as Liu Kang would do. He'd, he'd flying yeah. kick you, and then he'd fucking fireball your ass while you're trying to get up. Is the worst.
1: And then he'd turn into a dragon and eat your top half. If you were playing Mortal Kombat 2, he sure as hell would. But if it was Mortal
0: Kombat 1, he was too goody-goody to have a fatality.
1: Oh, fuck Luke Kang. Fucking
0: Liu Kang, man. So shot. But I can't imagine anybody else other than Jamie Lee Curtis in that role, because the way she plays the character is, uh, is fantastic. Now, an interesting thing about this too, Steve, is that... Um, Again, according to the commentary track, which I watched with um, John Carpenter and, damn it, what is her name? She she helped write the movie. She was his former girlfriend. Oh, uh, oh my God. I'll have to get the interns on that, but it's- was that Hold on. It? It's, hold on.
1: I got it. Hold on. Damn it. <laughs> Where is it at?
0: I should know that. Fuck. I feel bad about it, not knowing. Debra Hill. Deborah Hill. Okay, there let, let's
1: see. Here you go.
0: So, the commentary track is with uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill and Jamie Lee Curtis, and they are talking about how the critics, you know, universally panned this movie for being kind of a, I don't know, I guess in today's lingo, kind of a slut-shaming movie, kind of a morality tale that, you know, these promiscuous friends of hers get fucking murdered, but, um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie, the virgin, like, she is uh, spared or whatever, because of yeah. her virgin status, and that is not yeah. at all how they wrote no. this movie. Like, yeah, and
1: this—it's well, a—it's a misread even of the movie presented, because yeah, she doesn't survive because she's a virgin. She survives because he gets seemingly killed.
0: Yeah, I mean Myers still tries to kill her. It's like it is not yeah. like she's spared. She just got away as all. Now this is an interesting thing that they pointed out is because. The message that they were trying to get across by having all of her friends that were so busy, you know, having their lives consumed with, you know, boyfriends and getting laid and uh, drinking and stuff like this. The reason that they got murdered and she didn't is because basically uh, Lori Strode is more aware of her environment and more aware of her surroundings because her concentration isn't completely occupied by those things she's an observer she's a watcher which Mm -hmm. is actually the same thing that michael myers is too
1: yeah well it's the family thing i guess
0: yeah well exactly of course which isn't isn't a thing in this movie but they they later made it that way too but i just i thought that was kind of an interesting thing because it's very true like all of her friends are very unaware of what's going on. They don't see the signs and stuff. They don't. They don't see Mike Myers ever, um, y- you know, like lurking in the streets oh, wow. or or in the clothesline. It's like Lori yeah. is the only one that sees. Him.
1: Lori and the the little kid that she babysits. Yeah,
0: exactly. Those are the ones yeah. that are aware of their surroundings because she's not just completely concentrated on trying to get laid and stuff like your friends are. So that that is why she survives. It has nothing to do with her being pure of heart or anything like that because we see in the movie she you know she's riding around with uh annie and they're smoking pot and stuff um yeah. you know it's like she, she
1: likes boys she would totally want to get some dick if she you know uh was a little more bold yeah a little more confident yeah she's she's not <laughs> she's not this like pure chase vessel for the murderer to seek after and fail at getting yeah that's it's ridiculous
0: yeah i'd like to see a version of this movie where she's homeschooled
1: i'd love to see a version of every movie where somebody was homeschooled <laughs> i'm telling you dude again
0: here's here's another one for you guys trademark dead lovely i, uh-huh. I really want there to be a fucking homeschool horror movie yes there's so many like high school slashers and camp slashers i've been working on it yes I've been working on it. it's gonna be yeah. the best dude so it
1: really is it, it i don't know like i i i don't know how to introduce enough other teens to get killed so let's we'll talk about that yeah <laughs> you'll know where homeschool kids gather well what it's got to be it's got to be like a huge like mormon or catholic
0: family where there's just like fucking mm. eight kids or some shit you well, know
1: yeah no i i know a ton of uh, eight kid mormon families that are homeschooled so yeah i guess uh i should think about that Good
0: call <laughs> now another cool thing about lori that i didn't take into account until um shortly after we recorded the original podcast i was thinking about this movie and stuff and i had a really strong i guess you'd say kind of a revelation about this movie that i hadn't thought about before but you know this movie is set in the late 70s, this is what, 78, is that right?
1: Yeah, 78.
0: So this was, of course, you know, before you could fucking check the news on Twitter or get alerts on your phone or whatever about things that were going on. But in this movie, we're watching it, and we know that Michael Myers has escaped from the mental institution, and he is this, you know, child killer that's just a psychopath and just a cold, dead inside sociopath person. And we know that he's stalking Lori and her friends and stuff like this and wants to kill them. But Lori herself, Jamie Lee Curtis, has no idea who the fuck is stalking her or why. She has yeah. no clue that that's Michael Myers. She doesn't know that at all. To her, you know, from her perspective, she's trying to babysit these kids on Halloween. And just some guy in a mask shows up. It's Halloween. Everybody's wearing masks, so it could be anybody. She might be thinking this is somebody that she knows from school or somebody from Mm -hmm. town or whatever. Um, Which is a really interesting sort of facet about this movie and the character design of Michael Myers, too. Because with that blank, expressionless, you know, William Shatner mask that he's wearing, that could literally be anybody in any town, you know? It's not like a Freddy Krueger or something like this that is kind of a one-of-a-kind kind kind of character. Like, Michael Myers could be anybody. And for all she knows, he is just anybody. She has no clue who this person is or why he's suddenly killing her or trying to kill her and her friends. I think that is an extremely interesting thing about this movie that, like I said, I really hadn't thought about because I was just thinking, I know who it is. But yeah, she has no clue. She's just forced into this scenario where she is suddenly having to fight for her life and try to keep these kids safe.
1: Well, further than that, she doesn't know her friends are dead. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, she, that too. It, I, uh, when I rewatched it uh, earlier, I noticed that her versus Michael is basically just the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, like, that's very true. She, she doesn't know that, she, that he's killed her friends. She doesn't know he's after her. She doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know anything. And it doesn't happen until the last 20 minutes of the movie. So, like, the panic and fear and everything that, that occurs in that last 20 minutes is just super intense.
0: That's absolutely true. And, you know, another thing, too, and now that you mentioned that, this stuff about she's not really aware until, of course, the very end there that her friends are being killed and stuff. She is very kind of walled off from the rest of the characters in this flick that are major players. Like, like I said, she has no clue who Mike Myers is. But then also, too the only interaction that she ever has with Loomis is at the very end of the movie, whenever he comes into the house and shoots Mike. Yeah. She
1: doesn't even know who... She doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. So it can't be like she's like, oh, finally, someone here to save me. It's like, who is this weirdo also? Yeah, it's like, what the fuck am I
0: in the middle of suddenly? Which, you know, it's like you think about this movie and you think about the major players. You think about, you know, Jamie and you think about Loomis and Mike and it's like... Really, she, you know, she's very walled off from either of those characters in the movie.
1: Yeah, she, she's on an island, almost. Like, she's separated from all this. She has no idea that any of this is going on, which kind of, I guess, if we, if we take the second movie reveal that she is his baby sister, mm-hmm. if we take that to be, like, what's going on, on in this first one too it's kind of like uh reflecting that truth that she has no idea what's going on but there's a very deep connection between her and this guy right yeah very much so very much so
0: it's really it's really pretty fascinating stuff and you know i think one of the things about this movie that i think makes it so uh relatable and what made it such a huge hit too man is the fact that It's so easy for anybody to relate to this movie on so many levels because, well, I think we mentioned on one of our other episodes, it's like, you know, typical camp slashers, right? They kind of rely on maybe you've been to a summer camp Mm -hmm. and you can kind of put yourself in that situation or whatever. It's like those are the really cool horror flicks, the ones that you can relate to on some personal level. And this movie takes place in a completely generic suburban area that could be any town, right? It's like this could be absolutely yeah. anywhere in the country. Um there is what this is another cool thing about this movie that too that I think everybody can relate to is the Myers house is kind of that that legendary house that every town has that's abandoned and decrepit and something
1: you know according yeah, everybody to everybody has a story about it
0: yeah exactly yeah. oh that's the house where such and such got murdered that's the house where yeah. it's haunted whatever like every town has one of those like i remember actually out in uh, in morristown tennessee uh where we grew up out towards panther creek park right
1: uh huh
0: there's a house uh, it's probably not there anymore but i remember like if you walked down past the soccer fields you remember where the soccer fields were down in that little valley yeah it, uh-huh. If you went through those fields and kept walking and walking, there was this old abandoned shack, this old decrepit house. Oh! And it was kind of that legendary. Oh yeah, you know somebody got murdered there. That's why nobody ever lives there. Mm-hmm. It's huh. every town has one of those. Did you ever have one of those like in your town or your neighborhood or anything growing up?
1: Um yeah, there was one actually. It's also in Morristown, and it's on the same road as the Evil Dead house. Oh if shit! You keep- yeah, if you keep driving about a mile and a half, there's just this abandoned farmhouse. It's like a two-story farmhouse and abandoned farm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still there. I would imagine by now it's been knocked down. But, of course, it was it was from the 20s, so I would imagine it would have been knocked down earlier than that. We stopped by one time and, and like, investigated it. And it was—it kind of looks like the abandoned house in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, rad. Yeah, so we were hoping there would be cool stuff, but not really. It was just, you know, no, rat shit and stuff like that. <laughs> no
0: human chili or anything interesting?
1: Yeah, no no, no couches made out of human bones or anything. I was disappointed. That's a little
0: bit of a letdown. It really is. But, you know, it's like every town has that. Every town looks like this little suburb. Every, yeah. every town has these things. And like I said, Mike Myers even being a straight-up, faceless killer it's like that that really speaks to you and makes you go this could happen anywhere you know it's like if you don't want jaws to happen stay out of the water if you don't want friday the 13th to happen don't go to camp but this really puts it out (laughs) there that like no town and it's true no town is safe from senseless brutality and murder i mean there's not a town on the you know fucking face of the map that hasn't had something terrible happen in it because terrible things like this can happen anywhere that there's humans basically
1: yeah and this yeah this brings horror into the suburbs which is the place where everyone's supposed to feel safe yeah and and shouldn't i mean you shouldn't feel any safer anywhere people some people think you go to the big cities that's everybody's mean and that's where all the crime is well there are more people so there are more crimes but everybody's the same everywhere we're we're all just trying to not get killed yeah (laughs) like you there are people out there that want to kill you and there are people that just don't want to get killed and that's most of us (laughs) that's that is
0: i would say the vast majority of us i would say now let let me ask you steve what do you think of mike myers as a as a villain as a force in this movie
1: well he is he's a force i mean that's what he is he he's faceless there's there's nothing to the mask that he's wearing it's it's really bland He's referred to in the, the script as the shape. Yeah. Um, he, he's supposed to be a boogeyman, just like he's referred to in in the movie. He's supposed to be a boogeyman where you, you project your fears and your worries onto him. He, he, he doesn't have to have a mean face Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to have like you know claws or anything. Right. All he all he has to be is this imposing figure, and and you just assume so much about him.
0: And he is definitely an imposing an imposing figure, man. And you know, Nick Castle, he portray <laughs> he
1: portrays
0: the shape for a lot of the movie. But actually, there's a whole bunch of different Mike Myers in this movie. They just kind of had. Whoever was on yeah. set at that time put on the jumpsuit and the mask, and which
1: me I mean it makes sense. If anybody's out there thinking, well, why couldn't Nick Castle just show up? Well, he was getting paid twenty five dollars a day. <laughs> was he really? So, yeah, that was that was how much he was getting paid. I mean, nobody got paid a ton on this. Uh, I think Loomis got paid the most Jamie Lee Curtis I think got like $8,000 for this movie wow I mean just think about that a movie that goes on to make $70 million and you got paid $8,000 to do it or you got paid $25 a day holy shit and this movie was shot pretty quickly so he couldn't have made much money off it but don't worry much about Nick Castle because he went on to direct movies such as do you know any of his movies Ben I don't know huh oh man well get ready okay he directed he directed the last starfighter okay he directed the boy who could fly (laughs) the best movie of all time he directed major pain
0: no fucking way we just talked. we just talked about watching major pain earlier tonight before we watched
1: my big fat greek abortion well think about this when you're watching major pain the man behind the mask michael myers himself directed it
0: he's the man behind the mask behind the camera
1: that's right i imagine if you were to listen to the major pain uh audio commentary you would just hear a lot of breathing (laughs) and and then somewhere near the end he would be like this scene was hard to shoot because it was very muddy that day (laughs) and that's it that's it yeah then maybe do you also
0: maybe hear him like strangle a dog off camera or something
1: Yeah, you'll hear him do that. Or, like, get real frustrated because he doesn't see boobs. I want to talk about that. I don't know if you noticed this. Okay, so uh, Annie Brackett is my favorite character in this. I think she's great. I think absolutely, 100%. Nancy Keys is is amazing. Mm -hmm. She's so cute in this. She was in Assault on Precinct 13. She has this great sort of, like, attitude about her. Yeah, she's sassy. I really like her. She's sassy. She's fun uh I'm you know she has her. fun with her dad oh yeah i'd absolutely hang out with her. she and you know uh if i were a teenager with her i would you know be an absolute ridiculous mess and not know how to talk to her so that'd be fun <laughs>
0: if i uh, dude if i was hanging out there i would totally blow it
1: yeah oh absolutely 100 <laughs> percent uh if i was hanging out with her, this is what would happen she'd be like she'd be like uh something like so, uh, what sort of movies do you like? And I would be like, Star Wars. <laughs> oh,
0: I think I think my conversation would be something like, so uh, I noticed that you don't wear um, pants sometimes. <laughs> I, I noticed that also Donald Duck doesn't. He also doesn't wear pants. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Do you? You're saying that, uh, like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess, yeah. Donald, huh? Pooh Bear, right.
0: too. Uh, oh. sometimes he, he didn't, he was, uh, a, a a fat, a fat one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the scene where Annie Brackett, she is, uh, talking on the phone to Lori and she, uh, spills some butter on her clothes and then she takes off her, her shirt and pants and replaces them with, you know, just a, uh, an oxford shirt and no pants well the camera angle of that is from michael meyer's point of view and whenever she she does all that without turning around and showing her boobs i don't know if you noticed this but he slams a potted plant up against a wall and walks off like he's mad i guess he does i hadn't i hadn't yeah. thought about that well so watching it this time and seeing that i realized like so, like, this is all sexual. Like, for him, this is sexual. This is, like, I don't know... I don't know, like, what it was that initiated it, what made it happen, but, like, it, it's all tied with sex. Well,
0: because they're at the first of the movie whenever he kills his sister. Of course, she just banged this, that guy in, like, the most fucking mm. short bang of all times. like fucking yeah. 30 seconds, and he's already dressed to like, going out the door and he, yeah. he goes upstairs and she's there topless and that's when he stabs her and stuff which just quick ps man for one that whole that whole opening is bad as fuck well i I I just want to talk about that separately here in a minute but there's that one shot where like he's it's where he's stabbing his sister yeah and it's like i know that the reason that they did it this way is so they could pour the fake blood on her to make mm-hmm. the effect look good but I love that scene when he busts into her room, and he starts stabbing her. But then, like his vision, which of course is the camera since it's first person, his vision just goes to like watching his hand work the knife.
1: Yeah, that's, I love that. That's, that's a strong element of Michael Myers is that he again he's an observer. He watches almost he like does. he's outside yeah. of himself. He when he kills um, the. F- that guy, I don't remember what his name is. Yeah, glasses. Uh, Tom, Tommy. Glasses. Talman. Tommy, I think. Or no, Tommy's the little kid. I don't remember. Chest was, arms uh, back. Some... Chest arms back. <laughs> he kills chest arms back, and he he like you know sticks him to the cabinet, and then he does this like sort of head tilt,
0: like a dog. And, like like what? What is this? This is interesting.
1: Yeah, it's like my Michael is he's an observer, but like. Nothing means anything to him. Right. Like, Sociopath. He, he has no feelings. Yeah, so like the projection of him is that he's wearing this blank mask and he's this blank person. And 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 then also like the things we see him do is like he he's blank. He's he's just in taking. He takes things in and doesn't doesn't fully get them. They all confuse him. Everything confuses him. But he wants to kill it all. Another thing, too, that I, that I thought
0: was really cool is that, you know, we have that great speech in the middle of the movie there where uh, Donald Pleasance as Loomis there, he he talks about how, you know, long ago he met that boy with the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, and, and all that <laughs> shit, which is really cool. He's just basically explaining how he met this kid that just has no soul and no conscience, um, even as a, what, eight-year-old or whatever. And... Apparently, that was actually based on a real-life experience that John Carpenter had. So, he's from um, oh. Bowling Green, correct? Yeah. Yep. And Kentucky. 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 And or
1: Kinfucky. fucky am I right, guys? <laughs> you know. I think you're my beard. Uh,
0: but while he was going to college there at the university, they took a... It's basically like a field trip to a mental institution. Because that's the kind of thing, I guess, you did back in the 60s for a field trip. And he's, I know, right? So there's actually all kinds of stories. Actually, my mom was telling me a story about that not long ago, about one time they did a field trip to a mental institution, and it was just crazy. Like, it sounded like they went to the damn, like, Sons of the Lambs lockup. Like, it was fucking crazy.
1: Let me just give you the opposite side of why that's crazy. Can you imagine if you're uh, a person who is being held in an insane asylum and pumped full of drugs, et cetera, And now they're leading in gaggles of children to stare at you? (laughs) What? You're going to react positively. Yeah, this sounds like uh, bedlam shit. Anyway, go ahead. That's
0: exactly what it was. Well, John Carpenter said that while he was there on that field trip, he did actually uh, meet a really young dude who he said had the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, and just, he said that this kid, just even sitting here and talking to him for just a second, he could tell this kid was just devoid of humanity just absolutely soulless and without a conscience and stuff like this i I don't know what he was in for whatever but he said that that was a huge influence while he was writing the character of michael is this kid that he met that just had no soul which i thought was pretty fucking rad i thought that was metal
1: yeah i mean i i know that throughout my childhood i met a lot of dark people sure like people that dork people yeah i i i i knew some people growing up who were in jail for murder now like oh, i shit yeah um even then though like, i i still couldn't say of those people that uh, their eyes were completely dark mm-hmm. like that they they had no soul so to imagine meeting someone like that as a child is just Pretty eerie. Insane. Yeah.
0: Pretty eerie stuff. I think it's really interesting. Now, one of my favorite things about Mike Myers is that we have no idea what his motivations are. We have no idea why he's evil. He is just evil for the sake of being that way. Now, is that something that you think enhances a villain? Or do you like to get in there and know where they're coming from, you know?
1: Um... You know, I, I don't, I don't like a backstory. I, I'm not excited for yet another Texas Chainsaw Massacre backstory coming up at the end of September. Uh I, um, I think a, a, a backstory can be done and done well and, and add to the mystique of the character and maybe even make them more frightening sometimes, but rarely does it really do that. Yeah. Um. I, I think in particular, the fact that we just don't know really what's going on. All we get is the perspective of Loomis, who honestly this this film also paints as a little out there. Like he's a little weird. Yeah. And so are you know, are we sure we need to trust this guy? It's not it's not until we see Michael kill again that we're positive we need to trust this guy. Um, and we know that he's right. But even then he's still acting odd.
0: Yeah, he's a little bit he's a little bit kooky. He's the mad eye moody of this movie.
1: Yeah, constant vigilance. He <laughs> says that a lot.
0: <laughs> and he's got that squirrely eye always darting around and so on. <laughs> Drinking that poly juice potion. <laughs> but you know, that's the thing is like you know, with Michael, we do get a little teeny tiny bit of backstory in that intro. The backstory that we have is that he killed his family
1: it's not it's not revealed immediately that that's his sister, true she knows who he is, and we assume maybe, but she could be the babysitter, et cetera that's very but true we, yeah we we do you know we see his parents pull up and they you know are concerned uh, and we learn as Loomis goes to check out the the grave site that that was his sister,
0: right, yeah, 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 that's kind of where that scene is sort of revealed. But, you know, the thing is, is as far as like that little teeny tiny bit of backstory that we got about Michael from the first of the movie, it makes such a complete difference. Because really, if you think about it, if you go and check out the, um, I can't remember what his name was, Ron Thorne or whatever it was, the guy from Slumber Party Massacre.
1: Oh, Russ Thorne. Russ
0: Thorne. Like, he pretty much does the same shit. He's a guy that goes around and kills these, you know, teenage girls on this night of pandemonium. But the uh-huh. the difference is, is we have literally no backstory about him. We just know he escaped from prison or whatever for murder. Yeah. But, you know, he just barely has less story than Mike Myers. But it's amazing to see how much of a difference. Just that little ounce that you got about yeah, Mike's just, childhood. What a difference that makes in terms of how you connect with that character and how you feel about him.
1: Yeah. And it's just enough to make it even more mysterious. Yep. Like, just because it, you're, it's revealed, but like why like why why did he kill that person yep. like why why is he killing this person that we then find out is his sister yep. what is it that makes him uh want to kill her in particular and and what what about was it the sex was it um the fact that he has this sort of maybe budding sexuality that he's having trouble dealing with, mm-hmm. and he also doesn't... I mean, how he's supposed to be eight when he kills her, is yeah, that right? Yeah, so
0: that's kind of early. I want
1: to say he's like, yeah, eight yeah. or nine, something like that. I, at eight and nine, you you don't even fully understand life and death. So, like, if an eight-year-old were to kill someone, I think that has happened a couple times. But, sure. Uh, like, the eight-year-old doesn't really know entirely what they're doing. But we, in this movie, learn that uh, as as he grows, he doesn't develop any sort of sense of right and wrong, so he, at that time, even if he could have known what he was doing, maybe would have still done it. I wonder if they ever tried
0: putting him in church, Steve. You
1: know, church would have saved him. I bet he was listening to Kiss. That was probably it. That and that Antichrist Knights Devil's Child.
0: Ooh. Oh. They should have replaced them records with some fucking Striper. Some Petra. <laughs> to hell with the devil! <laughs> to hell that would have that would have just set him on the path to righteousness and glory.
1: Yeah, you know. But if you really, you really want to get him on the straight and narrow, you turn him to country music, where they never talk about divorce or, or you know, spousal abuse or
0: no <laughs>
1: alcohol or and you
0: know, good good old country music. If you want to hear a, a dark motherfucking song, that's an old 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 bluegrass song. Have you ever heard Knoxville Girl? no dude you got to look that up after after the show yeah, hold on. knoxville girl is an old 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 ass song that's been around since fucking forever and it's just basically a song about a guy from knoxville tennessee that loves a girl so much that he has to beat her to death with a stick
1: yeah there's that a sounds like there's a yeah.
0: horror movie right there you know
1: yeah yeah, I I'm a huge fan of Hank Williams. Yeah, not Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams, the OG. huge fan. I've yeah I've been listening to him since I was a young man. Original recipe
0: Frank, as I call him,
1: Hank. I a Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Original recipe Frank, also. Yeah. He's Frank from uh, Always Sunny. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, you listen to to his music, you know, you read his backstory, and it's just like, who ever thought country music was wholesome? Yeah, really, right. If if country music is wholesome, it's because it's bullshit country. Yeah, get the fuck out of here! I don't want to listen to it. Toby Keith. No, but I do think that
0: I do think that there could have been some salvation for Michael had he, you know, again perhaps a Striper record somewhere in his collection that might have that might have just straightened him out. Now, (laughs) in the Rob Zombie remake, he spends the first you know half three quarters of the movie explaining Michael's backstory. backstory. Yeah of, him, yeah, of him coming from a typical Rob Zombie, white trash, worship, abusive, yeah. you know, kind of home. Which is, of course, Rob Zombie's number one um, fetish that he has. Do you find that that enhanced the character of Michael to you at all?
1: I just look at him as different movies. Yeah. I, I like, yeah. I mean, I just I prefer to think of him as different movies because I think, I think there is, is uh, good value... In Rob Zombie's backstory for the character in the movie that he directed, mm-hmm. I don't like to imagine that it's the same Michael Myers because if you add that backstory, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't add anything, it takes away.
0: That's kind of how I'm having to watch fucking shit ass Prometheus and Covenant. It's like, because it is sure yeah. as hell not making the goddamn Xenomorph any fucking cooler. No. By giving me all this stupid backstory. I'm just having to watch those as like, these are just other sci-fi movies. This isn't about my xenomorph. You know, hashtag not my xenomorph.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet that's a hashtag that's already going. It has
0: to be, man. It has to be. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that in the remake when they explained everything, you're right, it does kind of make sense for that that picture that Rob was painting in that one, but I do not think that it makes the character of Mike Myers any more interesting. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you about too, Steve, what do you think about Mike's obsession with hiding his face and hiding his identity? Cause he goes to that hardware store, he breaks in and he steals rope and knives and a Halloween mask and stuff like this. And that mask is a, a priority for him because really he could have just gone around and, and killed all these people without a mask, but he wanted to hide his identity, and even towards the end of the movie there, when we see Jamie Lee Curtis and him struggling and she pulls his mask off, he won't even continue stabbing her before he puts that mask back on. That's a priority yeah. for him. It's like that mask, that faceless, expressionless visage is is part of him. And I wonder if that goes back to he is just, you know, mentally stuck there on halloween night where he was wearing that his clown costume and clown mask i don't know if he is just mentally stuck there and he's like this is what completes me this is what makes it feel just like that night is if i'm wearing that mask
1: it's it's his whole identity i mean think about like it it doesn't matter what his intention was leading up to that or or what it was that happened Mm -hmm. but it defined him in a period where he was defining himself as a human. Right. As an eight-year-old, now the only thing he has is, is trials about that moment, is psychiatric visits about that moment, is, is group therapy about that moment. Like, all of it is that moment. Yeah. So, it defines him. So, he, he only feels safe. He only feels like himself in that moment. So, he needs the mask. He he has to have the mask he has to be killing um he has to he has to do these things because that's who he is it's who he's been told he is his entire life wow like he never had a chance maybe at eight years old he didn't understand life and death he didn't understand what he was doing and if he had been raised a different way not in you know constant uh reminder of the thing that he did Maybe he would have grown up to be a regular, everyday Joe who happened to have killed his sister when he was eight years wow. old. Wow! So you're kind of saying that basically, sort of,
0: he made he made possibly a totally unconscious mistake, and then the environment, you know, the, the system that he was in, kind of created Mike Myers.
1: Yeah, but I mean, as we hear it from Loomis, uh, he he tried. He thought that too. He thought that there was a lot behind him, and that there was something he could bring out. But again, Loomis isn't gonna be there all the time. He's right. not gonna be the one in constant contact with him. The one in const- the ones in constant contact with him at an insane asylum are the people getting paid minimum wage who have no training on how to deal with people with uh with mental disorders. Well,
0: especially when you're talking about through the sixties and seventies, there's I mean, yeah, goddamn, you wanna talk about a horror story right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's yeah, there <laughs> there is a great Documentary. I can't think of the name offhand. Where basically it's just footage of an insane asylum in the '60s, and it's disgusting. Probably not. So, not a
0: savory environment.
1: Yeah. So like we we don't know uh, what Michael Myers could have been or what he was, but we do know that that one moment defines him, and that's the moment where he seems to feel the safest.
0: Right. So he tries to recreate that environment as closely as he can, which makes sense too. I mean, even going back to of course obviously going back to the Myers house you know his his childhood home and as we find out later being around his sister he is just yeah. recreating that night which is i think pretty cool it's a pretty cool idea to think that he is just totally totally stuck there and i love too man like of course that's one of the most iconic masks um in any in any horror movie villain history, yeah, and I love how they play with the fact that that thing is so bright white. Like, there's that scene of Laurie where she's, you know, she's oh. she's sitting in that doorway crying, and the doorway is just uh-huh. black behind her, but then just the face emerges. It's lit beautifully. It's lit so cool.
1: Yeah, and it's it's genuinely uh, scary. Like, yeah. I would imagine if you were sitting in a in a movie theater, especially, and you saw that, it would be extremely frightening yeah because you're in that sort of dark and you do look around and you can see people's faces in a similar way so it's Mm -hmm. like uh you can see where uh uh scream 2 kind of oh absolutely could develop that same idea where it's like well we're in the dark here and then of course you can see where uh uh that guy who shot up the dark knight premiere oh jesus yeah. uh, uh actually created that fear as as a reality for us. Fuck that, that you, guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. What a fucking Absolutely asshole fuck man. That. Um anyway, so yeah, the this movie, like it it doesn't scare me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's suspenseful here's a thing. at times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's suspenseful at times. It's a good movie. It's well acted. It's well written. It's well uh directed. Everything about it is great I don't think it's John Carpenter's best horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't either, I apparently. Don't, yeah. I, I think it's good. I think it's really good. I think it is a classic, but the thing is that a movie can be a classic and still not be the best movie. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's very, very true. And this is still a great movie. This is still an amazing movie. But I don't find myself scared. Um, the the brutality is amazing like, i really love the 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 closet scene i mean i'm not breaking new ground here everybody knows how great that closet scene is oh, how so claustrophobic anima- yeah so small and and inescapable and he is so animalistic and just ripping away at the door like i think i've said this before maybe in an episode but the, just that that feeling that you're safe behind a wall or you're safe behind a door and just anything that, that eliminates that safety Mm -hmm. is so frightening. Oh yeah. Any, anyone just like kicking down a door or just ripping through the wall. Those are, those are very scary moments, visceral reactions. Like you can't, you can't stop yourself from being frightened by that. So that, that moment is really good for me. But, I, I don't find any of the other moments to be particularly frightening.
0: I love Annie's kill, too. Uh, actually, yeah. I like the lead-up to her kill, because actually whenever she gets strangled in the car, it's really cheesy, and she kind of, like, damn, crosses, crosses her, her eyes. eyes. She's like, yeah. I'm totally dead. Like, I think that's pretty lame, but I do really like that. You know, she goes out to the car, she forgets the keys, she goes back, and then whenever she gets up to the car and sits in it, she notices the windows are all fogged up from, you know, yeah. Meyer's heavy-ass breathing, and that's actually, that's like a perennial fear of mine, is like, you know, getting in your car at night time, you always check that motherfucking back seat. It, it's like, still one of those things that creeps me out, like, just the idea of what if somebody was in the back seat when I got in the car? Like, that still kind of weirds <laughs> me out, so I think that kill is, is really, really badass. I like that one a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, the 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 killing of I I just don't know the boyfriend's name. I don't know. It's Todd uh, Richie.
0: Or is it Richie? Maybe I don't know. I really Ty- don't know. He's got a sick van. His van is really dope.
1: Yeah, pretty awesome van. His that kill is is really brutal. Like yeah. The, the lifting him up off his feet and just stabbing him into the cabinet. Like
0: well, because that's the one guy in the movie that looks like he could maybe physically match myers yeah. because he's really tall he's a tall athletic dude
1: it's not even close no
0: huh actually yeah. i think he's even a little taller than myers than nick castle if i'm not mistaken but yeah, yeah man he just shoves that knife in him and stabs him up against that cabinet and i love too that like the look on his face as he's getting stabbed he's just kind of mm-hmm. staring at myers like what the fuck are you he's got a great yeah. expression on his face really really good bit of acting
1: there's um I don't know if I've ever talked about this. I I don't think I have. But I think this is an instance of something that I've I've been writing about recently that I would call the magic of violence. Mm. Um there there's something about um violence that can eliminate like height disparity or or muscular differences mm-hmm. or anything of that sort. What you can often find in real life is that a person who is intimidating or a person who seems like they could handle themselves uh when confronted with violence can find themselves absolutely inept right and incapable of dealing with it like they 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 may be physically capable of handling it but they never thought it would happen and that's kind of the look that he gives him right is that like i never thought that this might happen, I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. The tables can be turned so fast because even if you look at, like, I mean, hell, like that that scene in, like, Pet Cemetery where, like, a little tiny little gauge, like, cuts dude's Achilles yeah. tendon. Uh <laughs> Ugh, one of the greatest bits of violence <laughs> in an old school horror movie ever. It's so fucking yeah, bad. We'll
1: ha- we have to cover that. That's, uh, yeah. There, there's some interesting shit in Pet Cemetery, but that is one of the greatest. Uh, because a child that size being the threat is so outlandish but also so frightening oh yeah it's like what if it did happen
0: I don't want to go down that road
1: no don't go down that road <laughs> sometimes
0: dad is bad now when we when we do review that we got Never to
1: just remember
0: <laughs> whenever we do that episode we just have to do it in fucking jud voice the whole time
1: yeah the whole time
0: <laughs> It's a really, really fantastic flick though. And it's like you said, it's like it's not necessarily that scary. The cinematography is is fucking amazing and I think is what makes it scary and suspenseful though. All those shots where she's like looking across the road and seeing, you know, Mike standing out at the neighbor's house or Mike carrying that body across uh-huh. um and Mike just walking or Michael just staring. The shot of him standing in the sheets and the uh oh, in the man. laundry and stuff, it's like that shit makes it scary. The cinematography and the way that stuff is shot makes it so cool. And, and like I've mentioned before, the the opening, I think, is truly, truly awe-inspiring. That's one of the best parts of the movie is the fucking opening. Because I don't know if we've really had a movie that starts off like that, where you start the movie off in its first-person perspective, and you don't really figure it out until you see that, that weird little arm jut out. Yeah. You know, and grab the knife and turn the lights on and stuff like that.
1: Yeah and it and, and it definitely it, it had an influence on giallo films that came after this. Oh hugely. That a, yeah, that's a pretty common thing. But I I think I think he was playing off some stuff from Psycho for sure and also from a few a few other movies there were maybe some some shots from killer perspective but like to use this uh this POV as the oftentimes the primary way we experience the film is is revolutionary and
0: you know talking about some of the movies that influenced it especially giallo movies and so on they uh they said that one of the movies that really influenced them while they were writing it which totally makes sense if you've seen it deborah hill and john carpenter both said that um uh deep red was a big influence on this you ever seen deep red
1: is that argento it is
0: uh, I have not. It is a it is a rad movie. I, I'm pretty sure it's Argento. Uh, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna say that it is, but I might be wrong about yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I'm pretty sure it is.
0: Um, but it's a rad movie, and it basically involves, yeah, kind of like a killer kid and stuff like this too. And there's a lot of kind of shots like oh. that where you just see sort of a hand sticking out, and you don't know who it belongs to, and it's That's so cool. cool. You got to yeah. watch Deep Red. That's a cool movie. And also too, they said the the scoring of that movie played a big role in it which again if you watch that it it does kind of it does kind of make sense looking back on it but you know the the fact that that whole first part of the movie you know again i can just imagine myself in a movie theater at that time period you're seeing a slasher film you know it's about a a crazy killer or whatever and so when the movie starts you're not really aware of the fact that you're you're seeing through the eyes of a kid Especially because the perspective is kind of shot. That's a really fucking tall kid because <laughs> the camera yeah. is like six feet up or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it's like he kills the he kills the sister, totally silent, no talking, and you don't realize that it's a little kid until the parents show up and pull the mask off of him, and that's when the camera goes outside of his body, and you it pans out in that crane shot, which I fucking love, with his parents just standing there holding the mask, and Mike's standing there holding the knife. I love that shot so much. It's so weird and surreal. But it's only at that point that you realize, oh, this is a fucking little kid. It's yeah. so jacked.
1: It, and you don't, you just don't see it a lot. I mean, maybe Village of the Damned, Children of the Corn, but in those in those cases, the the killers, they're children, but they're they're working together. Like the mm-hmm. automatic assumption is that they're smaller and weaker, so they need to band together. Right. But. The absolute reality is that an, an eight-year-old with a large knife uh, could easily get the advantage over his sister, who is obviously not expecting to be stabbed to death by an eight-year-old. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I'm sure that that's one of those things that really, you know, if you're seeing this for the first time, not knowing anything about it, it had to just blow your hair back a bit for sure. So, Steve, what are your overall final thoughts on this flick, and what do you give it on the scale of zero to ten?
1: Mm, mmm (laughs) zero uh well this is an amazing movie it's a classic it absolute must watch it's John Carpenter I love him uh Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing in this Mm -hmm. the Michael Myers is is an iconic killer I think perhaps I'm a little I I've never given Halloween as much Credit as I should, because of some of the sequels and how bad they really get. I haven't watched them. Uh, uh, well, I watched two, the one with fucking. Some.
0: What's the one with? Isn't there one with like Coolio or somebody in it?
1: Yeah, Halloween H two O. That was really called. not good. I've seen that. That's terrible. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't want those though to influence how I look at this film. This is, this is absolutely important for Nightmare on Elm Street, for Friday the 13th, for so many American horror, American slashers that come after this. It doesn't scare me entirely, but as I said, there are a couple things that I think are really good, like some good, like brutality and and, and showing, showing murder in a way that, that isn't fun which I think is yeah. an important part of, of a good horror movie. That the the murder's not fun. <laughs> or if it is fun, that the whole movie is fun, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I really love those things. I think that it's tight. There There's not a lot of superfluous stuff going on. I feel like maybe the story of... I, I I guess this running thing about the boogeyman
0: yeah it's a little um, a little superfluous I would say
1: yeah while while it can be considered true that like he is a boogeyman uh it, it's a little superfluous and in fact even the babysitting itself could be thrown out like I I don't see how it's necessary for any of this
0: that's true those could just be girls staying at home because they're too old to trick or treat or whatever
1: yeah so uh but again uh, considering how quickly it was written etc i i can't i can't really say anything too negative about this movie and i i i love it it's a great a great film i don't want to watch it all the time Mm -hmm. but if if uh i'm thinking of things to watch and halloween comes to mind i'll watch it right so i'm gonna say this is a nine I think that's I think
0: that's very very fair, man. Because like you said, for me this is one of those ones that is undoubtedly an, an absolute piece of history. But yeah. it's not like okay, if you were to compare this to like you know old albums and stuff like that, there's there's old like Chuck Berry albums that are a piece of history. You know, fucking invented rock and uh-huh. roll and shit like that, like we talked about before. But it's like, are they fun to listen to? No, not really. I won't really put them on and jam them anytime. <laughs> but then there's some stuff that is also equally a part of history, and it's still fucking badass to listen to. Like, dude, I, I will listen to Van Halen one any time yeah. ever. That's a piece of history, and it's actually still fucking awesome. I feel like this movie is a fucking Van Halen one kind of thing, where it's like, yes, it's hugely important and influential. And it's also still just an absolute blast. I I have seen this movie, I don't know how many times, and I will watch it anytime, anyplace. This is a chicken soup movie for me where I'll just put it on. It has such a great flow to it. There is never one second in this movie where it feels like it's dragging or we're spending a lot of superfluous time with characters that we don't care about um great pacing it looks awesome again the opening is is mind-blowing i love it sick soundtrack it i won't pretend that it's perfect though this movie has some pretty glaring flaws in it um there's a lot of stuff like the fact that you know it's supposed to take place in the imaginary town of haddonfield illinois in uh october it's obviously actually
1: pasadena
0: yeah. yeah in march <laughs> uh-huh. and it's like dude it, if you even just take just one cursory glance at that neighborhood, all the trees are green. Everything's fucking green.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but they do such a great job of making you think that it's not. Like, they had people uh, whose job was spray painting leaves, you know, brown and, <laughs> and red and stuff like this, and just scattering them along the lawns of the neighborhood and stuff. And kind of like what you we were saying. They do. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's the kind of thing – so sort of like what we were saying before about the violence, if you think back on it, you think it's very violent, but it's not. And like in my head, if I think about scenes of this movie of the girls walking around the neighborhood, it looks like autumn, but I know it's not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're dressed like it's autumn. Yeah. Like they're yeah. They, they, they do enough to indicate that it's autumn that you just forget that you're seeing completely green trees and, and sunny days. Yeah,
0: like. exactly, man. And, really all of that kind of goes out the window once night falls because after it's dark you really can't see what color the trees are and you still see the leaves blowing and the majority of the movie does take place at night
1: yeah it gets dark real quick i mean basically it's uh from the moment that the that laurie and annie talk to annie's dad outside of the store whenever they you know find out it's been broken into yeah like They have that, and he talks to Loomis a little bit, and then, boom, dark. Yep. And it's dark most of the rest of the movie. So, yeah, you don't have to worry at that point to try to make it look like autumn. Everybody just assumes whatever time you say it is, it is.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. And it's amazing what an influence this movie has on you, that it can be showing you green trees in Pasadena, but then in your mind you think, oh, wow, it's Halloween. It's pretty amazing the effect, the direction, and, again, simple stuff, like having her... Get a little, you know, red leaf stuck in her hair during that one shot. Like, it makes you think mm-hmm. that it's October. Plus, calling it Halloween doesn't hurt either, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> Donald Pleasance, I, we didn't really talk about him very much, but I think that he does an awesome job. He's got a couple of monologues in there that are really fun. But my, my absolute favorite thing that he does in the movie is that scene where he's staking out the Myers house, and there's the, <laughs> and <laughs> the
1: kids. Yeah. The kids yeah. the
0: kids are like kind of, you know, thinking about Going into the house or whatever, and Donald's hiding around that bush, and he goes, Hey, Ernie, you better get your ass out of here. Yo, what a weird accent he put on! I know it's like he was just trying to think of his best, like creepy thug voice or something. I have, get your ass out of here! Better get your ass out of here! But then, like the yeah. kids scamper off. But then the camera shows him, and he looks so stoked with himself. Like, yeah, I really did Way it. Way to
1: go, Loomis! Yeah, he's he like fucking nailed that one.
0: I thought that was hilarious. That's my favorite thing he <laughs> does in there. So, like I said, it's not a it's not a perfect movie by any means, but. It just has such a wonderful flow to it and such a great atmosphere. And I love I love the season of Halloween anyway, and this movie instantly transports me to that. This is one of those ones that usually every year while we carve pumpkins, we watch Young Frankenstein and we watch this.
1: Good one. Yeah. All right. Good choices. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's like this is one of those ones that really just transports me to the season of Halloween. So I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite One of my favorite horror flicks ever. One of my favorite movies ever, period. It's a motherfucking 10 for me, man. 10 out of 10. Woo, woo. What, what? Well, Steve, what are we
1: going to be covering on the show next week for our viewers? Well, as far as I understand, we're only going to be talking about bowl cuts. Because this (laughs) is now smoking Bowls.
0: (laughs) The show where we talk about the hottest bowl cuts on those 90s hunks. Actually, the bowl cuts kind of... Kind of coming back with that whole undercut kind of thing.
1: Everything's coming back. God damn it. But the thing
0: is, is the kind of bowl cuts that these kids have now, I don't think you could eat nothing out of that kind of bowl. It's like a broken bowl. It's like a bowl that's been dropped and it's just sort of a half a bowl.
1: You know what it is? Hmm. It's a, they all wanted to get uh, the the Joker from Suicide Squad tattoo damaged across their forehead, and That's their stepdad said they couldn't, so they were like, I'll get a fucking damaged bowl cut then, <laughs> Dale. I think they all look like they have mange. You know what? Maybe they do just have mange. Yeah, it might be that. It actually started with yeah. mange. I would believe You know what? Teenagers are gross. If a teenager had mange, I'd be like, yeah. That sounds right. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So, next week we're talking about Final Destination. And no spoilers, I have some things to say about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's true, because that was an episode that we did record in the past, so we've actually already recorded this episode. And I'll tell Mm -hmm. you, I was blown away by the fact that it is now Steven's favorite movie of all time.
1: Hey, guys. Just wait till you hear it next week, (laughs) because (laughs) you will hear me say such things as this movie dot 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 like dot 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 me dot 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 quotes (laughs) i think there's
0: also a quality bowl cut or two in the movie
1: holy shit (laughs) man i'm gonna start uh, you know what when it comes to smoking bowls number one is gonna be devin sawa's bowl cuts (laughs) one of the best and i mean
0: ryder strong's from boy meets world is unstoppable
1: 100 oh, yeah. best bowl cuts in the world <laughs> so yeah talking final destination next week um, a real piece of guys, shit movie we got so many great uh great movies coming up though so oh yeah just stay tuned but
0: do feel free to write us an email and suggest us some flicks where can they reach us steve to make some suggestions to our show
1: well, you can always uh, email us at deadandlovelypod at com. You can also reach us through Instagram or Twitter at deadlovelypod. Or we also have a Facebook group.
0: Well, that's fantastic. You guys can usually find me hanging out with Delilah. I'm over at her house all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, Delilah.
0: We're smoking crack, doing all kinds of crazy yeah, shit.
1: You and Delilah.
0: Uh, or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller guitars. Where can they find your personal shit, Steve?
1: Uh, you can find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Steven Spratling. Uh, I'm not creative. So Steven Spratling. Sick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You guys, please be sure to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. That really helps us show up on the charts and stuff. Go on iTunes, write us a very simple, quick review. Even that just says, uh, I think they're probably hot and that would be a fine review for us. Don't use any potty language or they won't post it. But yeah, please do write us a review. Really helps us out a ton. And if
1: if you think we're probably hot, you're right. I mean, we are.
0: Yeah, that's so, absolutely correct. So you can yeah. even write in they're hot. They told me so.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would and love that's always good proof.
0: Man, if I went on like next week and I found that there were like maybe 5 or 6 reviews that just said they told me they were hot. that's it
1: yeah as long as they're five star reviews that's great yeah
0: i'd be stoked they told me they were hot i think that'd be awesome (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening uh this has been a really really fun episode for me because i love this movie so much so thank you guys so much for tuning in you guys have been absolutely delightful and meanwhile me and my man steve well we've been dead and and lovely lovely. (laughs) we'll see you guys next week bye-bye